Atlanta. All right, so Taylor and I are finally rounding out our draft that took a while. Um, I know <laughs> it's been a kind of a mess, and already things have changed because we were like, we're not going to do any trades in our mock draft. And then there were trades done over the weekend. Um, so now, you know, the Thunder are picking at 28 and 25. And so we'll have, we'll kind of break that down. We will call it as if they thunder pick, even though technically it's the Lakers making the selection for the thunder to complete the Dennis Schroeder rule. Uh, Chris Paul gets traded today, but above all that, we're going to talk about that later. Sean and I got that. We know for a fact, well, I shouldn't say for a fact. Right now <laughs> right. the game plan is that the NCAA tournament will be held in one general spot. When you texted me this today, my first thought was why world of sports? Because I was like, right. oh, the NBA bubble just worked so well there. Why not do it there? And then they were like, even better, Indianapolis. And I thought about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's genius. That makes a ton of sense. So right now the talk discussion is that the NCAA tournament will be in one primary spot. They're saying it's not going to be a bubble. They're going to say they're saying it's going to be a controlled environment. Um, Which I like. I mean, there's a ton of hotels in Indy. Um, exits before and after, obviously, as well. You can play – Lucas Oil, you can play Bankers Field Life, you can play at Butler, you can play, um, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, you can play a bunch of places around the area. The um, overall consensus is the same thing as, right, the consensus is getting it all there, controlled environment, just getting the games in. Um, obviously, once you get everybody in and tested, I feel like they probably have to get in. God, it's, it's crazy because a lot of times the conference tournaments end on Saturday and Sunday. And then, what, you turn around Monday and Tuesday, you're traveling to Indy, you better hope there's no positive tests because yeah. – it's just it could be a nightmare because if a team gets it, well, my biggest concern is Team A wins first game and then they have a positive test a couple of days later. It's just it's I don't know, but good news is if they do allow some fans, that would be awesome because I mean that's something that you could buy buy a couple of tickets um, and you know go to a certain area. But I figured we get something like that because on the tournament they break it down into the four regions. I figured we get four different little bubbles, but one centralized one with the final four being probably in Indianapolis um, makes a little bit more sense. So we don't know if it's Indy, but Indy makes a lot of sense. It does. How funny would it be if it was like in the Lucas oil bubble in the banker's life bubble, right? That'd be <laughs> awesome if they separated it like that. So yeah, I would love, but that. I, I mean, I'm glad they're making this decision in November rather than waiting till February and March and trying to plan it all together. Then um, I feel like the, the faster they get on this now, um, It'll be probably for the better. I think overall, I think, you know, it'll be similar to the college football season um, where you'll have some cancellations, some games that are postponed. Um, not, you know, you're not going to make it through your whole conference schedule or your whole non-conference schedule without um, um, what's called without trying to have some cancellations. The conference right. schedule is nice because most of the time you either play on like Tuesday, Saturday or Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Monday. Um, so you know, if a game gets canceled like Tuesday, you can postpone it for another week or something. Maybe have three games in one week. I, I mean, it's one of those you kind of just just like college football you just kind of roll with it um ncaa selection show is going to be i mean they're going to have yeah because they're going to have every, like you literally gonna have to win your conference games and you're going to have to get in um it's just because it you better I, I, exactly you don't know if the team has four or five cancellations it's just tough um but it seems we're having a plan in place which is kind of new for the ncaa usually an organization that kind of wings it and goes by the seat of the pants has an idea of how to make the most important thing that college basketball fans care about. Looks like it's going to happen. So. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, all right. How do you want to do this? So do you want to go ahead and finish up the mock or do you want to go ahead and knock out? Cause I'm going to release our ACC and SEC previews later as one episode. Um, and so do you want to go ahead and knock out the big East and big 10 previews and then do the mock or do the mock and then knock on the conferences? It's up to you. Well, let's do the mock first. 
Okay. Let's just finish that. Yep. Yeah. So we've been working on this, like I said, forever. Yep. Um, so we are at the point now where we're talking to teams that aren't in the lottery. Um, and that starts with Orlando at 15 and 45. So let me get my mock draft pulled up. I will say, will you send that to me as well? Just uh... yes. Yeah, absolutely, pal. I'm the king of picking people I've already picked. <laughs> I only did it once. That was yeah. Sam Merrill. Um, that happens, you know? Yeah. Especially, like I said, if we had done this all in one, like, flat out thing, it would have been awesome. Our game plan originally was cool, and then it just, like, kind of fell apart. So that's all right. But uh, yeah, so we're starting with Orlando. Did you get your, did you get it? Oh, yep. I got it. Cool. All right. So I'll go ahead and start at 15 with the magic. I'm taking someone you had to the Suns at 10, which now is looking more and more likely, especially after the Chris Paul trade. And that is RJ Hampton. Um, I think RJ Hampton is perfect for what the Orlando magic want, because that's a guy that's long. They like wingspan. Right. (laughs) RJ Hampton has that. Um, obviously the controversy of should he gone to Kansas? I think so. Played in New Zealand, shot, didn't shoot the best there. Um, didn't have the greatest competition by any means. And I believe if I remember correctly, they played a preseason game against an NBA team and he did not play well at all in that game. I forget who it was against, but yeah, it was small sample size, but right. It, yes. What you were hoping to see out of a dynamic top five guard in the country didn't really show a lot of that in that game. I don't remember exactly everything of it, and I try not to overanalyze things like that. But, um, yeah, a guy that I, I took a little bit earlier. Um, I feel like his potential was there, um, but he could be one of those guys that could have kept his draft stock high. He was a high draft uh, stock going in to the college basketball season. Him going overseas could have maintained that stock because you don't know if he gets exposed at that college level. So, Right, I agree. So I took Hampton at 15. <clears throat> I took a guy that you took – I think we just flip-flopped our picks. I, I took um, Kira Lewis Jr. I think both teams need a guard, obviously. So, um, you know, a guy that played at Alabama who's trem- improved his draft stock tremendously. Um, Lewis had a really good year at Alabama last year. Um, there was talks of him transferring to Duke this year, but actually yeah, he yeah. decided to go to the draft instead. Um, looks like he played himself into, you know, your lo- uh, your lottery, your lottery or – um, into the late, you know, right after the lottery for me. But I feel like he's a guy that a dynamic guard that can come in and um, contribute well with Markel Folds. And he's pretty good defensively, underrated, I think. And I think with the length that they have there, he can cause some problems on the offensive end and defensive end. Yeah. Plus, like Markel Folds is really good defensively. So putting him with him, obviously, those two together would be a really nice perimeter defensive team for you. Yeah. So I dig that pick. I like it. All right. At 45 for them, I took. DePaul's Paul Reed. Um, my reasoning here is I really think Paul Reed's a first-round player as well. If this is a different draft, I think there's a possibility he might have. I think that really he kind of like had this weird thing where come Big East play, he was projected to go in the 20s and all of a sudden just drop really quickly. And I think he could potentially be a steal. I think he's a good player. He's very physical. He can rebound really well. Um, that DePaul team, for people who didn't watch them, they were goofy. Like their starting five was really good. And when they went to their bench, they were really bad. Uh, Charlie Moore was on that team for the Kansas transfer. Uh, Romeo Weems was a really good two-way freshman. And Paul Reed was the best part on that team. So um, I think Orlando would get a really good pick here with Reed. I like that pick as well. Um, I remember you were, you were able to about him every time Xavier played DePaul. Um, and you would always tell me to watch out for him and whatnot. I feel like DePaul is a program that was rising, but I feel like Paul Reed's potential or his his overall skill set was really above the, the rest of the team there. Um, and obviously, he was the focal point of every single um, excuse me defensive matchup every game. And I feel like every team was just throwing everything at him to kind of contain him. 
And I feel like he, alongside the other pieces that Orlando has, like Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon, can come in and kind of learn from them and kind of develop his own little skill set from that and kind of contribute right away to a team that made the playoffs last year. So obviously Orlando is always going to be in that like seven, six through eight range. But, you know, they keep building with solid draft picks. You never know. They can make a little run to that four or five area. So, yeah. So we're both going read there. Yep. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Paul Reed. For those who are wondering, Taylor is dealing with a science infection. So he's... I'm coughing every five seconds. I keep muting <laughs> my mic. Sorry. No, no, it's good, man. It's good. Yeah, um, Jesus. So Portland here at 16 and 46. Uh, at 16, I took Josh Green from Arizona. Um, I think this is a guy that really, one, I got mixed up all the time with him and Scotty Lewis before the college basketball season started. Right. Um, but I, I like him a lot. Um, at Arizona team, I know really underperformed. We've already had two guys drafted in this mock for me, Nico and Zeke Naji. I like I like the end of that triplet that group of triplets there. Uh, Green's obviously the best from that Arizona team. Mm-hmm. He has a very good skill set. He's a guy that really rised a lot uh, throughout the draft. And Portland seems to like taking these like experimental young guards, these like Anthony Simons kind of guys. So I think um, Josh Green could be a really good fit there. I don't really know what the future holds for Carmelo Anthony with the Blazers. I'd imagine he won't be playing there next year. So not that Josh Green is going to go and replace, you know, one of the greatest scorers of all time, but at this age of Carmelo Anthony, yeah, I think Josh Green could definitely be an upgrade for them. I'm taking a guard as well, um, but from the University of Kentucky, I'm taking Tyrese Maxey, um, a guy that I feel like he can learn from Dame and CJ, um, has a little bit of that has a little bit that in that it a little bit of those two in his game now he's, he's really good at taking people off the dribble um i think he's a willing defender i think last year at kentucky there were times where he really wasn't locked in officially on defense but um i feel like he's another scoring guard like you said mixing with the simons mixing with the gary trent they are guard heavy a lot so i kind of worry about that but i feel like he's got a lot of good skill sets that will translate into the league i think he's a little bit better than trent i think he can be better than simons um and i think he can take a little bit of the production value from both of them so yeah, I love Maxi. I have him going a little later, um, but I didn't think about that as a potential fit. That makes a ton of sense. Um, so I could definitely see that being a good situation. Right. Which leads to me at 46. I took Juco Phenom, Jay Scrub, who should be going to Louisville and yeah. decided last minute to not. Um, Scrub is a guy that, you know, also fits the experimental guard situation for Portland. <laughs> right. Really, really skilled player. I think he would have, if he had been at Louisville, I really think he could have made a run for ACC player of the year. I think he's that talented. Um, but in this situation, especially for a team like Portland, who's often in the playoffs, it's very rare they miss the playoffs. I think that he can kind of really come in and kind of take his time, um, be in that role, be with those Simons and those guys that we can judge Josh Green's. Um, the skill set's certainly there. So I think that, um, and there's been some rumblings. I don't know, you know, it could just be Twitter rumors, but there's been talks apparently that Portland's considering taking Scrub at 16. So would I do that? Probably not. Do I think wow. he's really talented? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's a little high for me. 16. I mean, don't get me wrong. We we, we took RJ Hampton, Lamelo, you know, obviously, but those are completely different players. But a guy with literally no tape out of high school was tough for me to take at 16. I mean, I would take Amani Bates of 16, but I would not take <laughs> Jay Scrub. Um, I'm taking also a guard, guard forward, um, kind of fit into that mold. I was talking about how they're a little guard heavy. I'm taking one of your one of your favorite players. Um, you covered him, Najee Marshall. Oh. I feel like that would be a good fit for him to come in and you know not you know you said not too 
replace a mellow, but a player similar that, you know, a bigger guy that can play the two or three, a very willing defender, a good defender, and a guy that shows he's clutch and can score um, when a team needs a bucket. And I feel like he's a guy that you could plug in and take some minutes on that two and three area and provide some good minutes for a guy. And I feel like you take a flyer on him because, I mean, he's proven in college that he's willing to be the guy. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, he's a good shooter and can help spread the, uh, spread the court the way Portland likes too. So I had Najee Marshall going to the Warriors later in the later in the second round, um, but I think the Portland fit makes a ton of sense. You know, I've talked to a few people and they've kind of seen his. They've told me his stock's really rising. He's had really good workouts. He's had really good interviews. He just did a video, I think, with Jonathan Gavoni actually, like pre- breaking down his game. Uh, so that tells you, like, the- interesting watch. Yeah, it was oh. really good. Um, you know, Najee's a great facilitator. He's an awesome on-ball defender. Portland doesn't have a lot of really good defenders right now on their team. Um, so, yeah, I think that Najee Marshall and Portland would be a really good fit, and I could definitely see that. I think Babcock's hoops had him at 39 this week to New Orleans. So, stock's rising, for sure. Yeah, right. Compared to where we were a couple weeks ago when we didn't know if he would even – we were talking about how a team taking him in the second round would be a good pick rather than yeah. now where he is. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so obviously the Timberwolves had that we already went through them at 17. So 18, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I'm taking Precious Achua, uh, a guy who I think very well could possibly be the best athlete in this draft. Yep. I watched him up close last year uh, when Memphis played Cincinnati, and you could see a guy that's going to play in the NBA for 10 years. Yeah, I also I'm also taking him. Everything you said above as well. Um, freakishly athletic. He he was running. He was playing the five against UC. He was doing. I mean, he averaged 18 and 12, 18 and really almost 13 a game at Memphis. Um, freakishly athletic. He had a few monster dunks in that game where he just caught a body in the middle of the lane. Um, I think he's a perfect fit for them. A guy that can come in and play behind Chris Stapps, a guy that can play the three, you know, take those MGK minutes away from them. Um, I feel like him and Luca in transition would be fun to watch just because Precious is athletic enough where you can just lob it up and he'll have some nasty dunks and whatnot. But definitely excited to see all these guys. Um, And I feel like he's a perfect fit for them. One of those, an easy pick for both of us because when we both have it, it means it's probably going to be a good fit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then their second round pick. I had them taking, of course, my phone does that thing. I had to make an Isaiah Joe, um, who I really like a lot. I think Isaiah Joe is very talented and really kind of fits more and more that mold. The Mavericks are really kind of looking to improve just that two-way ability player you're starting to see more and more of. That's where I thought Precious made a ton of sense for them. And Isaiah Joe kind of fits it as well. Um, he's certainly talented. He's a guy that kind of got overlooked, especially playing in the SEC. So a lot of talent there. A guy that, a guy that really, I think, is going to be a really good role player on an NBA team. Yeah. And then I have, I don't make sure I haven't picked him yet. Yeah. I also have Isaiah Joe. I'm just looking at my notes as well. Um, exactly what you said. They were a borderline um, tournament team last year. If you know, depending on what, what happened in the SEC tournament and whatnot, he was the, their go-to guy got hurt. And when he came back, they electrified that team. Must bus really, you know, put a lot of mm-hmm. faith in him. Um, everything you said, I'm echoing you. I think I feel like this is an easy pick for them. Another guy, a veteran guy that can come in and play some good minutes for him and contribute right away. I think he's a, he's a decent pick for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly with you there. Uh, so this brings us to the Brooklyn Nets, who we've seen a ton of people in this spot. Um, and apparently there's a rumor that this pick could be James Harden via trade, which I don't see happening at all. Right, um, I'm with you. So I took Alexi Pokashevsky, or as the world knows, Poku. Um, he is rail thin, but he can score from all – he's a three-level scorer. Um, has you know the ability to kind of stretch the floor you put him with a guy like Durant and Kyrie Irving and Karis LeVert just scores all around having Steve Nash who really you know 
was big in that seven seconds or less. If you use Kyrie in that role of like st- stretching the floor for him and driving and playing the drive and dish, Poku's a guy you can put in the corner to hit some threes for you. He's obviously got to put muscle on. He's definitely got to get stronger. Um, but you know, I think the lazy comparison a lot of people have made is like he could be a poor man's Drazen Petrovic. And I'm like, is that because I have him going to the Nets? Or do you guys actually think he could be that good? Because I don't think he could be that good, but I do think he has the ability to be a top five player in this draft. And I, I think I take him as well. I'm taking him as well there. Um, just for the sheer fact that the Nets are in win now mode. So I feel like they can draft and not draft in stock, but like take a chance on a guy. And I feel like he, exactly what you said, if he lives up to his potential, could be a top, you know, five, top 10 player out of this draft. Um, a guy that you, you, you send down to the G League a little bit, you let him um, develop. You get some weight on him. You teach him some things behind DeAndre Jordan and a couple other players. Um, and I feel like in a couple of years, he's ready to contribute when you're in your middle of your title run and whatnot. He's a nice piece you can bring off the bench or even plug in at the four. Um, I feel like, like I said, a team like the Nets who are kind of have a lot of pieces now that they, I feel like they can afford to take a flyer on a guy. And if it misses, then, you know, you try again next year. So yeah, at 55, I also had him taking a flyer. I had him taking um, Yam Madar from Israel, played for. Hapoel Tel Aviv. Um, okay. I don't know if I'm really saying that right. I have an old boss who's Israeli, so he'll probably be really pissed at me if he sees this clip. Um, there's so the body frame is impressive. 6'3, 180. He's 19 years old. Um, he can score, but obviously that's about the only tool he has. But at 50 55, this is a chance where the you know he could be a G League point guard for them playing for the um, I think it's the Long Island Nets is who they are right now. All right. I, I'm sure I got that wrong, but I think that this is kind of just like a draft and stat. Maybe it's a draft and stash kind of guy too. Like we'll like bring him along slowly, but surely, but yeah, I think Yama there, I'm going to go with him there. I think that's going to be. And then I'm going to, I'm going to go with another Razorback. I'm going to go with Mason Jones. Um, he's a really good shooter from Arkansas. Um, average 23 league game last year, a guy that you can come in behind Lavert, a guy behind Joe Harris, um, a couple other pieces, a guy that can help stretch the floor defensively with it. As good as a team as they're going to have um, another shooter. So nice to have, um, very good off the dribble, too. I just feel like kind of everything you're echoing. In the second round, especially late in the second round, you're just taking some of the best players available. And I feel like he's a guy that you, you hope to trans- translate into something. If not, then not the end of the world with a missed pick. So, Yeah, exactly. At number 20, I have a feeling you and I have the same pick on this one. I we do. I, I know we do. Yeah. Right, so I'm taking Cole Anthony. I know you yes. are, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can speak way more about Cole than I can, obviously, being a huge Tar Heel fan. But – I feel like we got to the point where I think the rumblings of who, like what you're hearing about the locker of Cole Anthony are really overrated. I like every single person I've asked about that, like seems to like know stuff about him has said, like, he's actually a really good teammate. Armando Bacot came to his defense. You know, this offseason was like, if people were saying Cole Anthony is a bad teammate, they weren't in our locker room. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this quite a bit. Um, you know, I know North Carolina had a bad year. But there was a stretch in February during ACC play where he was just outstanding, and he was the reason they were even in games at times. But like yep. he was bracketed defensively. You know, there was a lot of like people that were like not necessarily double teaming him, but if he got past the guard, the forward stepped right up to where he kind of had to make things happen and take awkward shots. Um, yeah, they, he was on. A, I mean, to boil it down, he was on a very bad basketball team where yeah. he was the very focal point of every defensive assignment. Um, yeah, to echo what you said about the being a bad teammate, that was the that was coming out of high school. You know, they were like. Oh, he's aggressive. He's a bad teammate at Oak Hill. And, you know, 
Cam Thomas, who's at LSU, we talked about a couple weeks ago in our SEC preview. He's came out and said he's a tremendous teammate. Armando Baycott, exactly what you said, what um, wasn't in our locker room. I mean, watch those games. I mean, you don't want to go back and watch it. Trust me. Of the games where Cole is not on the um, on, he's on the on the bench, you know, in a suit, whatnot. But he's standing up, clapping. He's yelling out assignments. He's he's very engaged in the game for even not playing. And Roy Williams talked about that a bunch. How he's one of the smartest basketball players he's ever been around. Um, just because for the love of the game, the feel for the game. And yeah, he forced it when he came back because he had to. We were in a lot of must-win games. Every game is a must-win, and he felt like he needed to right the ship. But 19 and 5, um, he averaged four assists. I feel like he's a he's an explosive guard. He rebounds really well for his size. Yeah. Out in transition, he can push the pace. He's good at finding teammates for open looks. Um, if we had a competent shooter on the basketball team, we would average anywhere from seven to eight assists a game. Um I feel like he's slipping a lot. I mean, going into the year, if you would have told me he would have fell to 20, I would have probably laughed at you. But, yeah, I mean, it was just a rough year where, you know, he's other guys had great years and they looked good and where he had a lot, an injury-prone year plus didn't have the greatest shooting year. Um, he's a willing outside shooter. Look at the game against Notre Dame beginning of the year. He was a, he was great from deep. Um, I feel like at a team like Miami, like, good God, that would be a great fit for him. I mean, he can find Duncan, he can find Jimmy, and he can find – he's got that explosive edge to him. And I feel like this would be a perfect fit, and I would be just – amped if he ended up in Miami so yeah I totally agree with everything you said the, the idea that, that keeps coming <laughs> to me is um you know having Jimmy Butler there is obviously going to help him tremendously grow defensively and Butler's going to hold him accountable to make mm-hmm. him better and you've seen this from a million people Butler got that whole young heat team to buy in not to mention Bam Adebayo's there so that pick and roll with those two for Cole Anthony and Bam Adebayo would be so fun Oh yeah, you know if they bring Goran Dragic back, that's even better for Cole because it's a really good guard to learn from. Yep. And I like I think Cole's better than Kendrick Nunn. Not to say Kendrick Nunn's a bad basketball player, and I think Kendrick's gonna like play in the NBA for a little while. But I think Cole's a better player than him. I know he just got second rookie of the year, but let's be realistic. It's a a lot of reasons why. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that you know this is a great fit for him and i look forward to you buying your miami vice cole anthony i definitely will i'm not even i'm not even in a big nba jersey but if he ends up going there like that's too clean of a jersey not to cop that gotta have that one so yeah absolutely so the next team is the 76ers who have five picks and they have one in the first round and then four in the second i'm sure they'll be trading some of those yeah hopefully because that's a busy day um you had taken tyrese maxi earlier to portland i'm taking him here Yep. I think on a team like Philly where they're just trying to get a bunch of scoring back and Josh Richardson's been really disappointing for them after the Jimmy Butler sign and trade. This is just kind of like a step in the right direction for them. They're a playoff team. They have a new coach in Doc Rivers. They're going to like to get these guys that they can kind of trust to be on the perimeter and really in situations like by themselves in isolation or ISO defense where it's up to them to make stops. And Maxi may not be great defensively just yet, but I think he's shown that ability to be there. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, we had that thing all offseason that start bench cut of Maxi Vassell and um, Sadiq Bay. Yeah, I still am not would not be shocked if between the three guys that we've mentioned there that Tyrese Maxey ended up being the best of them. All right. He's shown, I mean, there were multiple games this year where he looked like the guy and had a very big moment at Kentucky. So um, I'm flipping exactly what we took earlier. Um, you took Josh Green. I'm taking Josh Green here. Um, I think just everything you echo, explosive guard, uh, very athletic. He had a couple injuries in college, but him and Nico were very fun to watch. Um, he's a willing shooter. It's not, his numbers weren't where I thought they would be at the end of his freshman year, but obviously, you know, the, the transition to college slash adjustments and whatnot can cause that little delay in um, the percentages you like to see. 
But like everything you said, they need a shooter. They need another athletic guard to kind of replace that Josh Richardson vibe. Um, and Green's a guy that doesn't play. Uh, he plays well off the ball. So when a guy like Ben Simmons is a dominant guard, um, Green's going to be able to find himself into a role by coming off screens and whatnot and attacking the lane when he's open. And I think that'd be a good fit for Philly taking them there. Yeah, um, I agree with that. So at their next pick, um, I originally had this guy going to the Lakers, but after the trade with the Thunder, I had to push him back a little bit. Yep. Um, so I took Cassius Winston. Okay. Um, I think this was just kind of about – at this point, the Sixers are going to look to build some depth. So these next couple of picks, I took two guys who I think have been like college basketball stars um, who did a lot of really good things to their teams at high-level programs. So uh, Cassius Winston is a really good ball handler. He's a good facilitator, and he's a leader. And I think that's the thing the Philly, Philly locker room really needs. So I'm taking Cassius there. I also like that. Uh, just a, another guard to come in and play. Um, I feel like he's not going to – he won't give you – 15 to 20 minutes a night, but I think that eight to 12 range, he can come in and do good things for your team. And he's a guy that, you know, shouldn't have a problem learning a new offense, especially because how vet- a season the veteran he is. Um, I feel like he's a guy that can get grasp things pretty quickly. And I feel like an, he can contribute well enough on an NBA team. And I feel like he's good enough to do that. Almost player of the year last year for a while for a stretch in the big 10. Yeah. And then at their pick a couple picks later that they got from the Knicks, I took Yudoka Azabuki. Okay. This is strictly because Al Horford was really bad for them. He was. I What a shock that was. I Yeah. And I still really like Yudoka. I know he's battled injuries throughout his college career, um, but he had a really good bounce back here on a team that a lot of people thought was the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. So I really like him here. I think that's going to be a guy that is, you know, he doesn't stretch the floor by any means like Joel Embiid, but it's a guy you can put next to Embiid, and you guys can really be a really good rebounding force. Um, Azabuke has a lot of talent, and he's a guy that's just like, you know, if he can stay healthy and stay on the court, much like Joel Embiid, you might have a difference maker. And then I'm trying to look and make sure I didn't take him earlier elsewhere, but I think I'm also going to take him with you as well. Um, his free throw, like, I, he's a hard worker because remember his freshman year, he um, – you know, he was atrocious from the free throw line. It was a hack a shack. He was going to be fouled and good luck even hitting the rim. And, you know, he worked on it his sophomore year and ended up being a, a not, not a great, not even an ideal shooter, but, you know, he could put the work in. He fundamentally, um, he, you know, he, he used to just get the ball and try to attack the rim immediately. And now he's got some good footwork. And I feel like a guy that you kind of just build, you can't teach size and you can't teach just being a mass human being. And I feel like he's a guy that, you know, you pair with Embiid, that a guy who has good ball skill for a, a center um, that, you know, you can, Embiid can teach him some nice things. I feel like that'd be a good one-two punch. Yeah, so. I, I certainly agree. And then my next, my last two picks for the Sixers are both Kentucky guys. Um, you took Ashton Haggins to the Warriors a couple picks later. I'm taking him here strictly because he was Kentucky's best on-ball defender last year, and he that's a skill set that the NBA needs a lot more of. Um, I think Haggins really is still kind of underrated. I don't know if I'm alone. I might be alone there, um, but I do like his game a lot. And in this circumstance, this late in the draft, you know, like we keep saying, this is something where it's like, oh, you know, maybe. Um, and, you know, he's a guy we're taking a flyer on, especially just. Yep. I mean, I'm taking another guard, Pac-12 guard, um, Peyton Pritchard. Um, similar, just a guy, that, a winner, a guy that can uh, break down defenders, good passer. Just a guy, like, I think for me, Personally, the bet, second round is just best available player. Like you'll find a fit for you'll find a fit for him somewhere. And I feel like Peyton's a, you're taking Ashton. I already took him earlier. I feel like a guard that um, that you know you come in and plug away. I feel like he's a guy that can contribute a little bit. So and then lastly, I think we have the same pick um, for the 76ers, Nick Richards. Is that, what, is that what you said the second one? Yeah. I feel like I just if if Azubuki doesn't work, hopefully Richards does, and you take a flyer on both of them because they definitely need depth at center. 
And, you know, hopefully one of those two guys can provide a little bit of relief for him. And Richards was a guy that he, from his freshman year to his sophomore year, a sophomore and a junior, um, what was he? Uh, he was a junior. So a sophomore, a junior. I mean, what a, what a freaking breakout year for him last year. He was awesome in stints. Like he was really good. And, you know, it shows that Cal can develop players and can coach them because that kid had a great turnaround from his sophomore year to his junior year. Because at, at, at the time, his sophomore year, there were a lot of people questioning, wow, this is the number one center in the country. Like, yeah, but he, he had a lot of good stints last year. He can run the floor really well for a center. Um, kind of looks like a North Carolina big on how fast he gets out and gets into the lane, but in great defender too. So, it's just crazy that he's the 60th best prospect. You know what I mean? When how good of a year he had last year. So, but yeah, he was kind of like fighting. He was competing with quickly at points for SEC Player of the Year. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like, and it's funny because they're both second rounders, but it just shows you just like college and NBA fits are completely different, especially at a dying position like a center. Unfortunately. Oh yeah. Like, do you remember we did our live pod, and Brad and I, Redford and I, had this debate over. Um, it was. Um, DeAndre Hunter and Carson Edwards, who we'd rather have in the college game. Yeah. And he said Carson Edwards, and I was like, you're insane. Yeah. But it goes back to NBA fit and college fit. So. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter, ten, like the perfect fit in the NBA. Like, you know, can do it literally all. Carson Edwards struggles to score against, but in a college game, like Edwards will drop 35 on you in a heartbeat. Like, so. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's so different. And I don't think a lot of people struggles. understand that. I tell my girlfriend all the time, because I'm like, I want to take you to an NBA game. So I took her to a, I took her to a UFL game last year. I was like, just so you can see the difference in talent is just insane. How good, like how the difference, like of watching a game, just the speed and just like the ability to everyone knows are in the right spot at the right time. It's it's nuts. Right. Um, but after doing 74 picks for the Philadelphia 76ers, the next three teams will only have one draft selection. Thank God. Nice. Um, so that starts with the Denver Nuggets. I took Tyrell Terry here. Um, Tyrell Terry is a guy who is like really jumping up boards. Mm-hmm. It's a really talented kid. And I think that Tyrell Terry is going to be one of those guys that plays in the NBA for 16 years and is just always there. He's a playmaker. Yep. He's, a, he's a guy who makes winning plays. He's a good basketball IQ kind of guy. And so I think he's going to be perfect there. That's another guy Stanford probably wasn't expecting to lead. They're right. probably, they probably expecting to pair him with Zaire Williams and have a really good shot at the Pac-12 this year. Um, but yeah, everything you said, he's a guy that, I mean, he literally did everything for Stanford last year. Um, good score, good passer, just always, he's a guy that is always in the right spot at the right time. And when, when that happens constantly a game after game, that's not just luck. That is being like, that is just good coaching and understanding his position and understanding where to fit into the game. And I feel like a guy that can come in for the nuggets on a good team that was in the playoffs and another good guard to pair with Murray, another good guard to pair with Harris. Like, you know, you just add and fuel to the fire for that team. So. Yeah, because what we're seeing is like the Lakers won last year because their bodies, they just had bigger bodies yeah. than everybody. And that dude's a big body player and mm-hmm. rolls. So that's a guy you can throw at them. I don't necessarily think he's going to go out and guard LeBron James in a best of mm-hmm. seven, but. And if he did, that's not the idea. He's not that good. Like, yeah, but that's the guy you can throw at him to kind of try to throw him like off his game for a minute for, for a couple of possessions here and there. So, right. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, Utah with the next pick, I took Teo Maladon, who. Everyone kind of had of, uh, of, of Danny Advia as far as like the best prospect at the, uh, from the international at the beginning of the draft and seemed to have really dropped a lot. I am not a huge fan of Teo's game. I don't think that like, I don't know how good he'll be in the NBA, but I think the Jazz are kind of looking for answers on that team, especially with how disappointing Mike Conley was. Um, this is kind of like their offense really is like, how can you get the ball to Donovan Mitchell? And Teo Maladon's the guy that really comes with that. They're going to be losing Jordan Clarkson more than likely in free agency. So they're going to need another scorer, um, kind of that bigger guard. So I think that that's where Maladon kind of fits for them. And I'm taking um, Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. Oh. Um, just a junior who was a good guard. Um, kind of 
you know, everything you're saying is what they need. Um, we're, it, it's funny. We, we draft similar positions for people, but like different players because we see right, different right. fits. But um, yeah, I feel like a guy that was really good at San Diego State last year can come in and fill that void behind um, behind Clarkson, behind um, other players. But he he's a guy that I, I feel like he kind of fits that Utah like vibes. And when I like when I watch him play, I'm like, oh, that can fit. Um, Mitchell can kind of teach him some things on how to score at an effective level. Um, but I feel like a guy that you take in the kind of the late first round, uh, a good college player that can provide, you know, additional minutes for you in the NBA. Yeah, I'm certainly with that. And then the Bucks who got this pick via the Pacers and the Malcolm Brogdon trade. What a terrible deal. Um, I'm for taking real. Tyler Bay from Colorado. Um, it seems like he's kind of bottomed out because a lot of people were really high on him during the Pac-12 season. And you know, through the draft, like a lot of people are like, Hey, have you seen this Tyler Bay kid? And it seems like of late, he's kind of been like, this is where he's at. This is where he's going to be. Now this isn't to say if he gets picked in the lottery on Wednesday, I'm going to be shocked because everything in this draft is weird. Right. But I think for the bucks, this is a fit for the circumstances. They're more than likely going to be losing Wesley Matthews. Um, there's a lot of talks they are losing Pat Connaughton. So this is kind of just building those that bench up. This is kind of showing Giannis you're going in the right direction with younger, talented players and I think, you know, having veterans around him, like the Eric Bledsoe's and the George Hills, say what you will about Eric Bledsoe. I just saw today that uh, Brooke Lopez declined his option. So yeah, that was weird. That's like some money that's going to be out there as well. Um, I think Bay can kind of go a long way, especially, you know, having guys like Dante DiVincenzo and him to throw in games and just give you five, ten minutes. It's not a bad fit for them. Yeah, I'm taking Theo Maladon. Um, everything you said exactly about the, um, that what the Jazz need him for. Um, I'm taking for the Bucks to, to, because Eric Bledsoe, the rumor of him not wanting to be there or him not potentially being there long term. Uh, I feel like you can draft a guy that not his replacement, but essentially to be his replacement down the road. Um, and with um, what is the Hawks coach name? Is it Budenholzer? That's his name? Uh, no, that's the Bucks coach. Sorry, yeah, he was the old Hawks coach. Yeah, right. I feel like he's a good. Yeah, um, Hoser, he's a good enough coach where he can develop guys. He's shown that you know, give him pieces and he can develop a good offense. Because remember, at the one, I mean, with the Hawks had five All Stars that one year, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, but literally, I feel like the Bucks. Um, he, it's a good spot for him to come in and grow. Um, you still got Giannis who can carry the the duties of being the on ball defender and on ball on offense on the side of it, but Maladon coming in there over the long term can be a good piece for them to develop and take the reins from Bledsoe in the future. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And then we're now to the Oklahoma City Thunder who have yeah. 38 picks for the next 20 years. For real. Uh, like in pretty, I'm pretty sure in five years, the lottery will just be the Thunder. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Cause <laughs> and, and they'll be fine. They'll be loaded by then. Yeah. So it seems like the role that this team's kind of moving forward is they're going to build it on Shea Gillis Alexander. As they should. Yeah, as Love they it. should. Love it. I, he's one of my favorite players in the NBA. Um, you took Malachi Flynn a couple picks early to Utah. I'm taking him here. I think this is – if Shea Gillis Alexander is going to be the point guard for them, which it kind of seems more and more like that's their discussion, where the Clippers kind of use him at times as a three. And you saw the Thunder last year with Alfie having Chris Paul using him at the two. Um I think this is a good backup for them. I think Malachi Flynn is awesome. He's a guy where if they, they want to keep that the multi-guard lineup, even though Paul and Dennis Schroeder are gone now, um, he can really kind of help with that situation. He's a really good facilitator. He can really get to the rim. And so I think that Malachi Flynn and OKC with Shea Gilles-Alexander, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of scoring. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, my pick's a little weird. It's Leandro um, Balmero. The the oh, six seven yeah, I feel like they're missing 
I feel like Shea is a good point guard, obviously, to build around. They're going to be the franchise piece, especially what he learned from Chris Paul this year. There were moments where you could see Chris Paul was teaching him in the middle of a game, and Shea was absorbing it, just like a sponge, just trying to get as much as he could from Chris Paul. Um, so competitive. Mm-hmm. So. And he was so good in this playoff series. Um, but I feel like Balmero is a pick, a pick, you know, six, seven, not the most impressive stats when you're looking at it, 10 points a game, three rebounds, but a guy that has potential. He's definitely going to need to put some weight on him. Six seven one eighty is terrifying yes. because it's like, dude, he's a twig out there. But Especially like, mm-hmm, he's going to get bullied around. <laughs> but a piece that you can you draft him and you hope that him or Darius Basley will work out to be another scorer for you. Um, just a guy that come in and you kind of develop long term. As you have those picks, I feel like you can take a flyer on a guy like this. So especially when they have pick twenty eight as well. So yeah, which obviously, like we said a million times, though, they've got via the Lakers mm-hmm. and. Originally, I had this guy in the second round for a team we were talking about today, so this worked out perfectly for me. I took Isaiah Stewart from Washington. I think that just going young and super athletic and just putting guys around Shea that can just be have bounceability, Isaiah Stewart fits that. And I think that the skill set's certainly there to be a good NBA player. Kind of like the, you know, we talked about that weird Washington trio where all these guys who you like had super high hopes for, we just had weird years where the team wasn't good and they didn't really perform. And at times it looks like none of those guys wanted to be on the floor. Um, Stewart going to OKC is going to be really kind of like an energy, just fun, bouncy team. Scoring ability is going to be there. And I think it's the ability to be a really good NBA player. That's who I also pick. I feel like he is a top 10 player. He's going to be, that's my hot take. He will be a top five player in this draft. Um, I feel like he is explosive offensively. He played on a stacked Washington team that was hot garbage last year. (laughs) Him playing in the middle of a two, three zone was the worst decision I've ever seen. He's such an explosive defender, and he can guard literally every position out there at every time. But yet, you put him in the middle of the zone to just rebound is very baffling to me. Um, I feel like exactly what you said. The pick and pops that he's going to have with Shea, the pick and rolls that the alley-oops he's going to catch, and he can dunk on defenders. Um, I feel like he's a great scorer. I mean, 19-9 and, and a game last year, um, 6'8", 240. You know, obviously, he's going to have to learn to shoot a little bit better for my liking just to really contribute in the NBA. But I feel like over the time, his development will be – I mean, he's just a, he's a unit as a dude too. Like he is built. So I feel like he is going to be a guy that, you know, he's going to show he can put the work in in college. And I'd like to see how he progresses in the NBA. And then their pick at 55, 55, 50, 53, 53. It's all the same at this point. Yeah. Right. Um, You took this guy as your Mr. Irrelevant at the end of the draft to New Orleans. I'm taking Kenyon Martin Jr. Okay. I think that this kind of just goes with that role we keep saying. This is the team that took Darius Basie last year at the end of the first round um, because they really liked his upside. And I think Kenyon Martin Jr., although very unproven, has a ton of athletic upside. You know, he played at IMG. So it may not be the same as playing Division One college basketball or playing overseas, but he, you know, is a very talented kid who played high-level high school, who is on TV a lot. So this isn't going to be something different. His dad's the former number one overall pick in the NBA. His dad's yep. in the NBA Finals. His dad's an NBA officer, so he's bred for this. Um, I think Kenyon Martin Jr. is, you know, definitely a risk. But at 53, if you get something good from him, I mean, it's totally worth it. Yeah, I'm taking a guy that was one of the best college players last year um, from the Big East school, Miles Powell. Um, because just an outstanding score, game on the line, wants the ball in his hands. Um, A guy that, I mean, he he will have a game next year where he 
has 15 to 25 points a game. They're going to be like, oh, my God, we were wrong about this. Does that mean long-term that he's going to be this NBA scoring guard that you know can contribute big minutes and big spots? Maybe not, but I feel like his offensive skill sets are enough to get him in the league and get him some good minutes with the team. And I feel like a team like the Thunder, especially with how loaded they are in the future, you can take a flyer on a, a proven college player, a good proven college player, um, late in the second round and try to develop him into a, a good player for you. Uh, yeah, your all of your fits are like way like I think like after you say your fits, I'm like, damn it, I shouldn't have sent him my draft. <laughs> I just I, I'm thinking 2K. I'm like, who would I like to use in these spots? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. that'd be fun. That's what the Lakers said they did when they learned how to play together. That's like that's any LeBron James team. LeBron plays 2K for, like he gets stoned one night. He's like, oh man, we're gonna make this work. <laughs> sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Yeah. So we're into the Raptors now, who have picks 29 <laughs> and 59. So this is ending our first round because the last two teams, Memphis and Indiana, only have all each both only have one pick and they're both in the second round. Okay. So Toronto at twenty nine, I took Trey Jones. Um, Yuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I was like, thank God the Lakers didn't get him. Um, I'm pissed. More, yeah, this is more like the, this is just gonna happen. This isn't a player I love, but um, scoring ability, big games, played at Duke, high level. Um, it's going to go to a team that already is, has a really good foundation. Nick Nurse is the best coach in the NBA. Um, and he's going to be able to back up Kyle Lowry for a little while to learn kind of like the way the Raptors do things. And that's it. I mean, I don't know about the skill set. I don't know if he's going to be in the NBA a long time. He might be the most disappointing Duke player to play in the NBA since Nolan Smith, for all we know. I'm kind of leaning that way. Um, but I mean, here's my thing. Trey Jones on the team with RJ, Zion, and Cam, like he was the guy, right? Like the defensive stopper, the um, facilita- facilitator, everything you want to say about him. Last year, Duke, he was obviously not the main focal point on offense that was running carry, but he was still a major part of it. He was he improved his outside shooting. Um, remember that year with Zion and them, it was the Michigan State game. They, Cassius Winston was just standing on the free throw line, like, shoot, dude. Like, uh, this is what we want. Yeah. Put the ball in your hand. And I feel like the VCU, not the VCU game, the uh, UCF game that was huge because he hit like two or three threes and it's like oh come on like if he hits those it's a completely different game um that's a good fit for them I'm gonna go Robert Woodyard from Mississippi State um a guy that you know he can piece behind OG um and a couple other pieces um I don't I love the Trey Jones pick actually now that more I think about it there because behind Cal Lowry that would be a good fit for him as well but I think Woodyard's good enough where he's he does enough things athletically that he can find a good role in the NBA and everything you said about Nick Maris is such a good coach that he will um you know develop him into a, a player that can contribute good enough minutes for him so yeah I, I totally yeah totally fair with that and then at 59 the second last pick in the draft I took power for Paul Uboa Paul Uboa from Italy um total project player. They have really been really successful at taking these late second rounders and making something out of them, or even these undrafted guys and making them part of their team. Terrence Davis ended up being huge for them. I don't necessarily think he was undrafted, but obviously Fred Van Vliet giving him more than he did. Like they, they find a way to make these guys who have like three or four skills, you know, about, and just make them really special players. Um, the wingspan is what really jumps out to me the most. He's six, seven, but has a seven, three and a half wingspan. So that's going to fit somewhere on NBA team. Um, you know, so he played in Italy. He's from Cameroon. Um, has like some Suku Boya vibes, but I think that this is, you know, a draft and stash or just like a let's see what we can get from him. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm going to take him as well there. I'm going to be honest. I don't have a lot of information on him, but everything you said, you kind of sold me on him. So if he's good, you and I thought about this. If he's bad, this is definitely your idea. 
<laughs> hey, that's fair. So we're down to our last two picks in the draft, and then we will go through, and I'll go pick by pick uh, real fast, obviously, um, so we can kind of get here. So the Grizzlies here at pick 40, they got this from the Suns. Obviously, like we said, the Grizzlies traded their pick to the Boston Celtics at 14. Um, should have been a playoff team. And this is just taking you know, basketball smart players. Keep building these young guys, these Dylan Brooks, obviously these John Morass and Jaron Jackson Juniors, and keep bringing these young guys in to help them develop and win. And I think Killian Tilly, who you took to the Spurs in, this ne- in the next pick, fits that so well. Um, Killian Tilly is a guy that is really, really good at basketball. Um, played for my least favorite college basketball program in the world and is very skilled. Um, a guy you can pair with, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., a guy that can give Jaron Jackson Jr. some minutes. I do worry about the fact that JJJ, for how good he is, has a tendency to get in foul trouble, and Tilly is no different. So, right. um, you know, there's some things that Tilly's got to work on, but I think for Memphis, for what Taylor Jenkins is building, being a young coach, bringing in a young team, we're this close to being in the playoffs, really should mm-hmm. have been in the playoffs. And right. Horrible, they're in the playoffs. Yep. They end the year as the eighth seed. Um, but I, I, I like him here. I think that that's a good fit for them. I'm taking Trey Jones here. Um, his brother still plays there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think yeah. So Paramount, but his brother, um, learned behind John Morant. I, I'm just, I'm not, this is not North Carolina bias coming in against a Duke player. Um, I just don't see how he contributes in an NBA game. Um, so hopefully he can learn a little bit offensively. I just don't know if he's a good enough shooter off the dribble, uh, let alone as a spot up shooter to really be anything other than a defensive stopper. So, but on a young team uh, behind jaw, I feel like not a lot of pressure coming after him. So if he's as long as he's competent and can play pretty well, he'll be fine. Yeah. I'd certainly agree with that. Um, I totally forgot that the Clippers pick a 57 and that's their only pick as well. So okay. that's another team we have. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. For some reason, I forgot to put your second round Hornets pick in. So I'll figure that out later. Um, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Pacers at 54. This is all they have left. I took Marcus Howard here strictly because it's fun. Um, Malcolm Brogdon obviously is really good there. He is their point guard. Victor Oladipo, you know, depending what day it is, you think he's gone. Um, this is a team that's very active in trade discussions. They already have a ton of scoring with Demonis Sabonis. They bring in a new coach. Um, I think Howard's fine. Um, I don't, you know, I like we've said a million times. If he's probably two or three inches taller, he's probably going in the first round in this draft. But you know, the best catch and shoot scoring division one basketball since Steph Curry. So I know you had taken Howard a little earlier than I did here, but um, where did you take him? I thought you took him. Yeah. You took him to golden state, which worse. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. So I'm going to take Marcus Howard here and kind of hope for the best. Yeah. I'm, I, I can see the pick there as well. Um, what we're on Indianapolis. You said, I'm trying to, yeah, fix it. 54. Uh, yeah I'm going to take a guy that literally um, from Penn State. Did I take Lamar Stevens already? I can't remember if I did. I might, no, you didn't. I'm taking Lamar Stevens. I had him written down. Um, just because of a guy that I literally think he is um, at combo guard slash forward that can come in, and he kind of fits the TJ Warren, the Malcolm Brogdon, all those kind of vibes of like a guy that just a bigger guy with the ball that is athletic enough to score and also will lock you up on the defensive end. Um, I feel like he's a guy that can come in and contribute right away for an Indianapolis team that um, is just looking to get better at any position they can. So, Yeah, I totally agree with that. And then lastly, we have the Clippers at 57. And I took Michigan's very own John Teske here. This is, you know, everything we've said. He's pretty old. He's 23, but he's 7'1". He's 265. Um, I know they just took Cabin Galley last year. 
Um, they already have Zubach. So this is just kind of adding, but I think, you know, the writing seems to be they're losing Montrez Harrell, which they yep. probably should move on from him, honestly. Um, and Teske kind of, you know, he's played a national championship. He's been on really good basketball teams. And Michigan is really making that step where they're getting really good recruiting wise with Juwan Howard. So Teske kind of really started something there, started like a culture with guys like Duncan Robinson, Charles Matthews. So I just took Teske there because I think that this is a guy they can put on their G League team and kind of just put a body out there. And then my last pick is also a guy that's won a national championship, um, Mamade Diakite from Virginia. Um, I feel like he's good enough to just like kind of like a Kevin Gele, um, a guy that really just knows how to play in the low post, a really good defender. Um, obviously, with his time at Virginia, a good pick and pop guy, a guy that can is not a willing scorer, but if you actually need him to step up and score a basket, he can. Um, just a guy that was well coached. And like I said, at the end of the second round, he's just taking any best player available. And I feel like he's a guy that fits that need for you. Yeah, I agree. I got to remember who the hell you took for the Hornets pick because it's going to drive me crazy. There's that one blank spot. What pick was it? The 50. Because I took Miles Powell there. Let me look real quick. Here, throw a Hornets guy in. We'll just add him. Miles Powell, you took. What pick is it? Into the second round? It's a 56. Let's see. I don't think I took. Um... Hmm. Well, I'll just take another guy that I was going to take. Omar Yurt Seven from the um, NC State, or from Georgetown, formerly of NC State. Um, a good pick and pop center. A guy that obviously builds depth at a position that the Hornets need. But um, a guy that, you know, local kid that played in the college nearby. So maybe that, that could lead to a potential draft pick for him. Sounds like a Hornets pick. Yep. Mitch <laughs> Kupchak, baby. Actually, he would not. He would not draft a player from NC State. So that's true. Yeah, um, I don't think Kevin Greavy would either. Mm -mm. Yeah. So, all right. So I guess we'll go through and read this quickly, so you can hear our picks. Um, at one, we had Anthony Edwards. Both of us two at Warriors. We had James Wiseman. We were with a Lamelo Ball at three. At four, I had Killian Hayes. You had Obi Toppin. Five, I had Obi Toppin. You had Isaac Okoro. We both had Yoko Okungwu. We both had Denny Abdia. Tyrese Halliburton. I had Isaac Okoro at nine. You had Killian Hayes. I had Kira Lewis Jr. at 10. You had RJ Hampton. I had Devin Vassell. We both did. I had Devin Vassell and Aaron Nesmith and Sadiq Bey and Patrick Williams. So we went yeah. pretty, yeah. Um, I had RJ Hampton. You had Kira Lewis. I had Josh Green. You had Maxi. Both had Jalen Smith. Both had Precious. Both had Poku. Both had Cole Anthony. I had Tyrese Maxi. You had Josh Green. We both had Tyrell Terry. I had Telemeladon. You had Malachi Flynn. I had Tyler Bay. You had Teo Maladon. I had Malachi Flynn. You had Leandro Balmero. Desmond Bain, Tyler Bay, Leandro Palmero, Desmond Bain. This is a lot. I didn't realize yeah. how much work we did. Right. Uh, for the Thunder, we both had Isaiah Stewart. I had Trey Jones. You had Robert Woodard. Both had Vernon Carey, one of the Celtics. Both had Isaiah Joe. I had Xavier Tillman, one of the Hornets. You had Zeke Naji. I had Woodard here. You had Jemias Ramsey, who I don't think I took in this draft. Mm -hmm. That's an oversight. <laughs> uh, we both had Cassius Winston. Both had Jaden McDaniels, Udoka. I had Nico. You had Ward of the Wizards. I had Zeke. You had Xavier Tillman to the Knicks. Pelicans, I had Reggie Perry. You had Cassius Stanley. I had Killian Tilly going to, to the Grizzlies. You had Trey Jones. I had Oturu going to the Spurs. You had Killian Tilly. I had Cassius Stanley. You had Daniel Oturu. I had Jordan Nwora. You had Devon Dotson, who I also did not take in this draft. I sucked at this. Struggling. Yeah. I had Skyler Mays going to the Bulls. You had Quickly. I really hope so. 
Both at the Magic had Paul Reed. I had Jay Scrub going to Portland. You had Najee. Both at Grant Willer at Boston. Uh, Warrior, the Warriors, I had quickly. You had, taken, had them taking Marcus Howard. The Sixers, I had Ashton Haggins. You had Peyton Pritchard. The Hawks, we both had Sam Merrill. The Warriors, I had Najee Marshall. You had Ashton Haggins. The Kings, we both had taken Elijah Hughes. The Thunder, I had Kenyon Martin Jr. You had Miles Powell. The Pacers, I had Marcus Howard. You had Lamar Stevens. The Nets, I had Yamadar. You had Mason Jones. The Hornets, you had Miles Powell. I had Miles Powell. You had Omar Yurt Seven. I had John Teske. You had Memadai Diakite. The Sixers both had Nick Richards. The Raptors both had Polly Bua. And lastly, with the Pelicans, I had Caleb Weston. You had Kenyon Martin Jr. So that was two months of work that we did. So that yes, was sir. To read. And next year we'll do it better. Yes, it'll be more in depth and more spaced out for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with the pandemic and just everything going on, it was so hard to figure everything out this year, especially because the lottery was in June and the drafts in November. Like, it's just, it was a mess. Right. Um, so, all right, real quick, Big East, Big Ten talk, um, which we'll put on here. And then later on the show, if you're still listening, Sean and I will go through the, th- the two, the, all the moves that have been happening in the NBA. Um, starting with the Big East, uh, this is obvious. Villanova is the best team in the country. To me, I think that they're going to be the national champions. They have tons of talent. Um, they're a college basketball factory. I don't really know who's going to challenge them, but there are a ton of really good teams in this conference. Um, Seton Hall, even though they lose Miles Powell, is going to be really good. Creighton is going to be one of the best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, St. John's is going to be you know, competitive. And obviously having UConn come in is going to be huge for the conference. He is going to be really, really good. That is Dan Hurley bring gets the big east this is connecticut is home um obviously their women's team's going to benefit a ton from playing in this conference again mm-hmm. so when you look at the big east overall what are some what are some things players teams that jump out to you so firstly villanova like you said the best team in the country um i echo that i think they are number one number one team in the country when you bring back colin gillespie jeremiah robinson earl um samuels justin moore cole swider brian antoine cosby roundtree i mean you lose sadiq bay who was a excellent college player excellent shooter um but i mean you bring back every other piece and then you bring in a couple newcomers from eric dixon uh who read here last year and then caleb daniels who transferred from tulane um i feel like with jay wright you're like they're going to be a team. Um, well, who was it? It was um, Justin Moore who had that first game of the year where he had like eight threes. And it's like, good God, man. He, the kid can just fill it up. Cole Swider is a, another outside shooter. Colin Gillespie is just that great gritty guard that you need. Um, Robinson Earl had a flash in the pan. Brian Antoine is a guy that I was a little underwhelmed with his first year. Didn't have a great year. Obviously, I just read that he had um, wrist surgery. So he's going to be out a while, um, which kind of is a key loss for them. But we will have to see how when he comes back, if he can exp- be back at that level when he made the All-Americans game. Um, but, yeah, I think it's clearly Tier 1 is Nova. Everybody else is Tier 2, Tier 3. Um, the only other team I have on, like, Tier 2, I really think there's a big gap between Nova and the rest of the league. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a competitive league. Uh, I just think the talent that Nova has at the beginning of the year is going to be something that's going to be hard to, uh, a lot hard for these teams to match. Um, my second-best team in the, in the Big East is a team that – Broke my heart in 2012 because um, I broke Kendall Marshall's wrist. That is Creighton Blue Jays. Um, so I good. I love what they're doing. Um, I love the pieces they're building. They bring in one of the most hated players maybe of all time in Alex O'Connell from Duke. Um, but I feel like he is going to thrive at uh, Creighton. I really do. I think he's going to be so good for them. Um, I, I think they have him. They, a lot of people have them as like the, anywhere from the 10th to the 15th best team in the country. 
Um, they lose Tyshawn Alexander, Davion Mintz, and Kellen Jones, um, but they bring it. They bring back Zergakowski, Mitchell Bollock, Damian Jefferson. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of pieces for them there. So, I feel like um, another team that can spread you out, hit a bunch of threes, and run in transition. It's Creighton, and I feel like they're going to just be right on pace as the same as they were last year. So, yeah, I totally agree with all that. Um, let's talk about Connecticut, obviously, because it's a huge, huge thing to bring them back. And we all know if you listen to us talk college basketball for the last year and a half, I have not been shy of how big of a fan of James Book Knight I am. Yep. I've actually picked him to be the Big East Player of the Year. I am sure. going on record with it. Yes, I know Colin Gillespie is there. And yes, I know um, that – God, what the hell's a kid from Creighton? I just forgot his name. Zerkowski. Yeah, Marcus Thank you. Yeah. I think Book Knight, of all those guys we just named, projects to be the best NBA player. Um, watching him in Charleston, just seeing how he played and just the way he could just like read alley-oops – and the way he can score, he makes some really tough shots. Um, he's going to be electric in the Big East. I think you know he was really good in the AAC last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that this is a really, really good team. Um, Connecticut's gonna make the tournament next year. They're really building something special. And Dan Hurley's the right guy for that job. I mean, he's a Northeastern guy, and you could see right away like his energy. Although it's it's not for everybody, um, but those guys respond to it, and those guys really like what he brings to the table. And I think that UConn is not too far away from being back to being one of the, you know, upper echelon programs of, Big East, of the NCAA. Yeah. A team, here's a team that I'm kind of high on that I've always just, I've always had like a soft spot for them. That's the Providence Friars. I love me some Ed Cooley. And I feel like David we Duke, David Duke, Nate Watson, AJ Reeves, Greg Gant. I feel like that's the team that like, that is Providence basketball when I think about them. Physical, like there's just like, there's nothing worse than if you're like a Big East fan and your team plays there that early Saturday game at noon. Mm-hmm. Cause like by 1230, you're just sitting there you're like, shit, we are going to lose this game because <laughs> they are, they treat it like it's the prime time eight o'clock game. They are amped. They are all over you. It's just crazy. And I, I think they're going to be really good this year. Um, they got, they bring in a couple of transfers from North Florida, St. Joseph's, and then they bring in Bryce Gooding from Syracuse, um, who transferred there last year, which would be another good piece for them. Um, and then another team I really like is Marquette. Um, they lose Marcus Howard, one of the best scorers maybe in the school's history, but they bring in DJ. Yeah. And they, yeah, Mark, sorry. And they bring back, um, they bring in DJ Carton from Ohio state, um, a guard yeah, who can space the floor and score really well. Um, Kobe McEwen, uh, Theo John's still there, a big power, powerful guy in the middle of the court for you. Um, I feel like they're going to be really fun to watch. And then I, I like Seton Hall too. They lose miles power. They bring in one of the best players in the Ivy league. Um, Bryce Aiken, who transferred yeah. from Harvard. He's a really good scorer. I saw him play a couple years ago. Um, really good guard, just in command of the game at all times. Never looks stressed out there. Um, they bring back what's I can't pronounce Mamu Kavalish, the left-hander, the big uh, for Seton yeah. Hall. He's a scorer. Right yeah, right. Um, Terry Samuel's another good player. I feel like they're another well-coached team that can kind of elevate their level. The Big East is I, I always. It gets a bad rap, but I love watching the Big East basketball. Like oh, there are yeah. so many good teams that um, night in, night out, it's just a constant war. Everything you said about Connecticut, basketball is so much better when Connecticut is good. I don't know why Jim Calhoun, the Rudy Gay, the the days back in the day with them, Emeka Okafor, like that the arena's rocking. It's just a great time to watch UConn basketball, and I feel like, like you said, Dan Martin or Dan Hart. Wow, Dan Hurley is building a great program there to get it back to the level it once was at with Kevin Ollie. Yeah, I crazy that he won a national championship. I know. <laughs> and the was that the I think it was like the first time ever it was a seven versus eight in the NCAA championship. It was, yeah, Jesus. Maybe Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky and UConn, the first seven eight battle in the in the national championship. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, and and lastly, I mean, I don't want to rip on some of the bottom teams. Um, 
obviously we get that not we still have Xavier to talk about, which is they're not a bottom team, but um, going down a little bit more. Butler, I got. I still don't know how I feel about Butler. I I just I don't know. You know the Kamar Baldwin's gone. I he was so fun to watch. Yeah, that, I was at it, that game. He hit the buzzer beater against Xavier. He was so good. Yeah, he was just explosive, man. He could all over the place. Um, so they bring back. He's gonna get drafted. Like, yeah, right. I mean, not would be wouldn't be shocking to me. They'll be okay. Um, it's gonna be. T- they're gonna have to grind out a, a good year for them. Um, I don't know if they're gonna make the tournament. That's pretty hard to say, especially with that, like with the focal point being on conference play. Like your sample size of who you got to play. You got to win a lot of games and. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't see a lot of wins on their schedule right now. Um, going down a little bit more, I'm just looking at maybe some key players I'm missing. Um, St. John's, uh, they're still kind of in that transition phase with uh, Anderson. They're trying to build a program. They had some good wins last year, but they lost a lot of pieces. Uh, Figueroa, Mustafa Heron, Nick Rutherford, all big pieces that they ended Mustafa up losing. Who was there for 84 years. Right. That's how I felt about, um, what was his name? I just looked at him a I second ago. Alpha Diallo from Providence. I oh my God, he was there. I, he was there when North Carolina played them with Marcus Page, and that was <laughs> literally I was in college like five years ago. Um, yeah, I, I think exactly who I was thinking of. It's so funny you said that. Um, and then lastly, you know, Georgetown, a complete overhaul on their roster. Going to be a rough year for Ewing. I don't know how much longer he has life in the tank there. Um, it's just it doesn't work out when NBA legends coach. I'm sorry, Chris or Chris Mullen. Patrick Ewing. Now, obviously, I think Ewing's going to get a little bit longer tenure because he is Georgetown basketball. But yeah. um, long term, I don't know how that's going to work out. And then, lastly, the bottom of the barrel for me there is DePaul losing Paul Reed, um, tough one. But they still got Charlie Moore, Romeo Weems, um, uh, some p- pieces to build on, but just going to have to get a little bit better. Um, but let's talk about our, the team that's closest to our heart, obviously here in the area. Um, go ahead and give me what you think about Xavier's going to be next year. I think they're able to score a lot better than they did last year. There was okay. a lot of stretches last year where it was kind of up to Najee Marshall to make things happen. Um, I don't think that's going to be a big of a concern this year. I think that they're going to be talented. I think they'll probably be the last Big East team to be in the tournament. There's a lot of okay. discussion. Apparently, they were they were going to make it, even with that loss to DePaul. A lot of people really believe they're going to be in there, which was really shocking to me. Yeah, um, I just listened to Mario Mercurio talk on um, the Dana and Victory podcast not too long ago, and he had actually kind of gone into pretty detail like why they were in which was shocking um, because but they did have some good wins. I mean, they beat UConn, they beat Seton Hall, but this team, you know, it seems to be like they're a lot better. Um, Jason Carter's there for another year. That's big for them. Zach Fremantle is going to be awesome. I think that that kid is just really, really good at basketball. He's tough nosed Jersey kid um, and he's going to fight and he's going to make plays happen. Um, they bring in Nate Johnson as a grad transfer. He dunks the ball very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Stanley comes in, who they're still waiting to get his waiver. It seems more and more likely he's going to play, um, but nothing's been announced, which is frightening because the season starts next week. Yep. Um, and then, obviously, you know, your buddy, a guy you grew, you've grown up to know pretty well, uh, local Kentucky Mr. Basketball, Belmont transfer Adam Kunkel. The game plan originally was that he was going to sit a year and get stronger, but now it's looking more and more likely that Kunkel is going to be contributed to the Xavier team immediately. Well, I was going to say the reason the reason the, it went from sitting out and getting stronger is watching him in practice ball out it's like okay we could use this kid today rather than yeah. a year from now so which when he put his name in the transfer in the, in the transfer uh portal i immediately went he's coming to xavier i it just something about it the local kid they needed a three-point shooter i knew i know i knew travis was going to be the first person to call him sure enough he was um they're gonna be able to stretch the floor and that's not even to talk about like so C.J. Wilcher, who's a really talented kid, a lot of people really like, he's there. Dwan Odom comes in from Atlanta, who can just like 
who's going to break a rim in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to happen. Kiki Tandy is obviously there, who was, you know, Big East all freshman last year, along with Fremantle. So he's going to be a, he's a talented kid. He can score from everywhere. And he has guts, man. He will shoot any shot. He is not afraid of any moment. Um, was robbed of Kentucky Mr. Basketball. Just going to go ahead and say it. Yep. Um, another local kid that you and I know fairly well, Deontay Miles from Walton Verona is on that team. And Shout everyone out. I've talked to about him has said that that he, guy has just like been the best practice player on the team. He's Every a monster. Single person. Is High motor. Does not. Energizer bunny. Does not stop. One end of the court to the other. Will run, run, run. Just exactly a guy that's coachable and you want on your team. So I feel like this is the first like, okay, we're getting into Travis Steele's team. It's no longer yeah, Chris yeah. Max guys. It is Travis Steele. Scruggs is still a Mac guy, but everybody else is. Talk about him yet. Yeah, right. Everybody else is um, Travis Steele's guys. Or Kobe Jones. Like Kobe Jones is a guy that if you're talking to a lot of people, seem to think that he's going to be a media impact guy for them. So this freshman, sophomore class the last couple of years, you're really starting to see come together. The Tandys, the Miles, whatever they get from Daniel Ramsey, if he can get healthy um, to go with Kobe Jones, Dwan Odom, Adam Conkle. Like this is going to be a very exciting Xavier team. Um, they're going to play a lot of games with, they, you know, I could see them going like 19 and 12, 18 and 11. Right. Um, and, but like really having some good wins and some tough losses they are going to be up and down. Um, but Travis preaches defense. They were a top 30 defense in the country last year. So these kids that are coming in, they understand they're going to have to play defense. And, you know, now they have guys that can stretch the floor. So I am stoked to see what kind of team they have out there. We have Travis Steele's media call tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. So um, I think they're a middle of the pack Big East team, but I definitely think they're going to be the last Big East team to get in the tournament. I can see them definitely getting in. I think they're going to let third tier um, somewhere at the beginning or the end of there. They can, obviously, depending on record, um, but I feel like they're good enough to definitely get a tournament. So, you know why a lot of people are excited about Adam Kunkel? Obviously, why? besides like all the stuff that we've seen, he's wearing five. He's wearing Trayvon Blewett's number. Oh, yeah. it's a good, a t- tough, tough guy to replace, but he's a good enough scorer. Where he can, he's going to have some games where people are going to be happy to see that jersey again. So, oh man, I went and saw him play in high school, and I think they were playing. Um, they're playing some lower district nine Kentucky high school basketball team. And I saw him throw down an alley oop. And I just was like, I've never seen a high school kid do that before. Yeah. So like, yeah, we talk about his three point shooting that he brings. And obviously he has like, you know, he has a quick release. Like he's, you know, he pulls, he pulls the clip quickly, but he can dunk. He's super athletic and Belmont. I mean, he was Belmont's best player last year after Dylan Windler left. So yep. he averaged like, he averaged now. two points a game his freshman year and averaged 17 points a game his sophomore year. Yeah, at 33 at Boston College, um, just and then he had the back he we had the backdoor cut to beat Murray State in the championship. Yeah. He hit the he had the backdoor layout like that was just I mean beautiful. Um, I feel he's a good player that you know he's gonna find his role that just to when he's hot like clear out man let him get a work so. And Travis will. Travis oh yeah. Will call the offense for him. Right. It'll, It'll be exciting to watch. Yeah. Let's talk real quick about the Big Ten. Obviously, last year was probably the best conference in college basketball. Um, Michigan, man. That's the thing I keep coming back to. You know, basketball Oklahoma. school. Yes. I've been saying that for how long now? All right. People are like, you know, but the football team with Harbaugh. I'm like, no, people. This Big Not- Ten thing with Michigan yeah. is a real thing, and they are going to be really good again. Juwan Howard is building something awesome there, getting a bunch of young dudes in. Did you want to, um, sorry, before you before we go into Michigan, did you want to do, uh, Big East Player of the Year, and then um, yeah, who who's gonna win the who's gonna win the division or conference? Okay, yeah. So Villanova. <laughs> Villanova. Yeah. I'm taking James Book Knight as Big East Player of the Year. Okay. And Coach of the Year, I'm taking Travis Steele because I think okay. gonna be. I, think I will take. I will take. 
Villanova, Jeremiah Robinson Earl to win player of the year. And then I will take Ed Cooley, coach of the year. I don't think Providence is going to be good enough to get a good seed in the tournament. So back to Michigan in the Big Ten. Yes. So I want to talk about Michigan, obviously. But Taylor, I totally skipped the biggest story of the year. This is the fact that Illinois is going to be awesome this year. They're going to yes. be so good. Mm-hmm. Ayo Donsumu is back. They are going to be awesome. Brad Underwood is getting his guys. Iowa is going to be really good again. Um, Healthy, too. Yes, Minnesota is going to be fun with Richard Pitino bringing in Jamal Mashburn Jr., um, which is so weird to think about a Pitino, like another generation of Patino and Mashburn together. Yep. When you look at the Big, the Big Ten in, you know, as a whole, what jumps out to you the most? The... The fact that there are seven to eight really good teams and the rest stink, but those seven to eight good teams are just going to be competing for the one through seven spot. So um, I think Northwestern, no. Nebraska, you're building something for the future. Bryce McGowan is a five-star commit that you got a couple days ago. You're building for 2022. You want to use your freshman that you bring in here to build for that. Maryland lost a lot. Um, it's time to rebuild with Turgeon. Penn State, yikes, dumpster fire with Chambers being gone. Um, and then Minnesota, Patino is kind of on his last legs there, but with Mashburn, you're hoping the, the pieces you bring in um, to kind of build for something in the future. That leaves Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, Iowa, Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Michigan are all my teams that like, okay, these are the good teams that can make the tournament. So where I want to start is I know you started with um, with Michigan. I think the best team in the conference, I, literally, I think it's Wisconsin. Like, I know this, it gets a bad rap. Um, they only lost uh, Pretzel last year. They still got to meet Trice, Nate Reavers, Brad Davison, Michael Potter, Aleem Reed, and Tyler Wall. Um, I mean, they start what, one, they start five seniors um, in a Greg Gard offense team that is going to slow you down pace by pace. They're going to make every possession count. I feel like they're good enough to compete. Um, I think they're going to be really good for them this year. You know, very boring to watch if you're not a Wisconsin fan, which, yeah. you know, not a lot of people are. Um, but after that, I'm going to go straight to Illinois, which is the complete opposite. Run and gun. Going to kind of just whittle you down with just athleticism and speed. Um, Dismunu, Cockburn, um, Trent Fraser, Demonte Williams are back. And then they bring in Adam Miller um, and then a couple other pieces like that to contribute. I mean, they got maybe one of the best one-two punches in college basketball. Um, and it's so good when Illinois is good. Remember those 2005 team that lost to Carolina? They were unbelievable. Luther Head, Darren Williams, like unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable team. Um, and then next, we'll kind of just spend a couple of moments on them. I want to go to Michigan State. They bring in the Hauser brother. Um, they do lose Cassius Winston um, and Xavier Tillman. Obviously, two guys that, you know, it's tough to lose. But they bring in Joey Hauser and A.J. Hoggard, another good guard. They bring back Aaron Henry, Rocket Watts, Gabe Brown, Malik Hall, Marcus Bingham, and Josh Langford actually going to play this year, which is amazing comp- depending on where he was at a couple years ago. And I feel like whatever you get from him is good enough to, you know, you're happy with that. Um, they're going to be really good. Izzo's a great coach. They'll kind of move forward from there. And then lastly, kind of what I want to talk about is – or just preview again, Iowa um, with – my pick to be the player of the year in the conference, maybe even in the country. Um, you bring back uh, Luca Garza, Joe Wieskamp, Jordan Bahannon, who came back from injury, CJ Frederick from Covenant Catholic around the road, Connor McCaffrey, which is a coach's son, Joey Toussaint, who had a good year last year. Um, another guy that a piece, a team that can beat you. Um, they're frustrating at times because with as much talent as they has, they play down to their competition. But I feel like with Garza again this year, uh, he's going to be really fun to watch and kind of keep that, that national player of the year campaign going. So. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And yeah. I think that that's just going to be a really, a really awesome program. Yes, I agree. Luca Garza, Big Ten Player of the Year, potential yep. AP National Player of the Year. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people thought that he got robbed last year that Obi Toppin got it. I disagree. I do think Garza's really good, though. 
Um, I think this is a team that has a lot of talent. I think this is a, a group that has a lot of talent. And I am really excited to see how the Big Ten pans out. Um, so we already picked Big Ten Player of the Year, obviously. Um, my Big Ten team uh, conference winner, I'm going Illinois. I think this is the year of Brad Underwood. I think having all these guys, having Kofi Cockburn, having Ayo Donsumi, like we mentioned, that's going to be something special for them. Sorry, what was that last part? I literally cut out. Oh, you're good. Um, I picked a, I picked a, I said I think that Illinois will win the Big Ten. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so the, my pick, um, I am picking Wisconsin to win the Big Ten. Um, just because I feel like they're, especially with no fans, a game that's already going to lack some energy and whatnot. I feel like they're going to just suck the energy out of there. Yeah, I feel like um, that's nothing new to us. Yeah, Coach of the Year, Brad Underwood, and Player of the Year, Luca Garza. So, Okay, yeah, I'm going Underwood for Coach of the Year as well. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we had a lot to cover here, so this is probably a longer pod than any of us wanted. But finally, next week we can get back to college basketball because it'll be happening. So Let's go. Be on the lookout for our ACC and SEC previews. We'll have this on this regular episode. So thank you all for tuning in. Stay tuned for Sean and I to talk about all the craziness of NBA trades already as the season's starting and cannot wait. Everyone, thank you so much. Have a great night and we'll see you soon. Peace. All right, so this episode might be the longest episode in the history of our podcast network. Between, That's saying a lot, actually. Yeah, <laughs> We've had some long-ass episodes. Yeah, we have. God, especially when we first started, we had no idea what time management was. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was just getting to know how, how to work together. Um, so, Taylor, obviously, if you caught on, here's, uh, you know, if you clicked on the timestamp to get to NBA Trade Talk, um, Taylor and I went through and did the rest of our mock draft, and we caught all that up. We talked to a couple conferences. Next week, we will have up our SEC and ACC conference previews, and um, – this week later on on third on friday morning you can check out shot college we'll do our off-season preview because this is sean's last one for a little bit he's taking a vacation he's going to enjoy his birthday week um it's my birthday week i didn't even yeah. think about that <laughs> i had to remind you it was your birthday week yeah 37 is just not uh just not something I'm, I'm really looking forward to tim i have to ask you something so you already got yeah. your christmas decorations up don't you i do yeah you only do. because i'm going out of town so you got them up before before you were going out of town. So have, huh? I have to ask how psychotic you were. So have you watched any Christmas movies yet? No, I haven't watched any Christmas movies yet. Um, but I will tell you, my girlfriend, uh, as you know, my girlfriend moved in. Um, and we're back in my place. I do know this. And um, <laughs> we were going through our Christmas records. And she has the Elf soundtrack, the one that's like the vinyl looks like maple syrup. Oh, that's and so that's, we, that's a fun find. Yeah, we definitely put that on and listened to that and enjoyed ourselves. So, um, but you haven't actually watched any movies yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, but are you also a fa- be at Disney while they're doing their their Christmas stuff? So sure, sure. Now, are you a fan of the unconventional unconventional Christmas movie? Uh, Batman Forever. I mean, Batman, Batman Returns? Returns. Batman Returns. Yes. 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 Absolutely. We're talking. We're talking Lethal Weapon. Yes. We're talking Die Hard stuff like that. Uh huh. So I have invested in one that I have never seen. Okay. And I just got it in the mail today. So I just <laughs> got like the, per- the, the, the perennial Christmas classic. Silent Night, Deadly oh, Night. Oh, God. <laughs> and I'm just going to read this real quick to you. Community leaders tried to stop the release. The PTA fought to ban it. Now one of the most controversial slasher films of all time is back in a high new high definition release. <laughs>
If that were an NBA team, it would be the Clippers. It would be the Clippers. It is exactly it. It was it. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so off topic today, but I just, no, I just had to throw that okay. in there. So. I, appreciate it. I, I didn't know, like, if, I, I didn't know this? if this was a movie you were familiar with. I doubt you were. Cause you're not a big horror guy. Um, you also have Jack Frost on Blu-ray, right? not the Michael Keaton film. No. However, I am very, and I repeat very interested in obtaining a Blu-ray copy of that because I've heard it is really bad but like in a good bad way so i'm, I'm interested in obtaining a copy of jack frost not the one with michael keaton okay <laughs> for my horror collection yes all right so i'll make sure to timestamp nba draft and not include this portion <laughs> um so yesterday we got our first big trade uh so sunday afternoon uh my phone pops up and it says the lakers are an extended trade talks to acquire Dennis Schroeder from the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I was like, oh, that's crazy cool. I like that. And then it comes out and it's like, you know, a little bit of it was, I felt like it was one of those ones like, like the Chris Paul one today, which we'll get to. But it was like, the Suns and the Thunder are an active trade talk. And like two minutes later, Shams is like, Chris Paul has been acquired by the Suns. That's how this felt. Because that's it was how like, that's how that's how it always is. Because <laughs> it was like, oh, Dennis advanced Schroeder. trade talks, one minute later, <laughs> trade's done. <laughs> trade's done. <laughs> Because Woj and like Woj and Shams are sitting there with their thumbs like, and you know they got like an earpiece and they're like, "Is it done? Is it done? Is it done? It's done. It's done. Yeah. It's done. It's trade's yeah. done." Yeah, he's like, "Can't get, can't let him beat me. Can't let him beat me." Exactly. <laughs> so, um, the deal right now it looks like it's not complete. Obviously, it has to be wait till after the draft for the Stepien rule. So Oklahoma City gets the twenty eighth pick that the Lakers had in the first round, which obviously Dennis Schroeder is better than anyone they're getting at 28. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. And, um, and this, and this year's draft. Yes. <laughs> yes. Especially. And then Danny green is gone, but the talk is Danny green will not play for the thunder. They are looking to find a third team. Um, but at least in principle, we have this portion done. So let's talk about this first on the Lakers side, obviously um, Danny green, a part of their championship team. I know a lot of people are very, you know, really terrible to him online after he missed the game winning shot in game five, even though they won by 30 in game six to win the championship. Um, but really, well, he, he know, was a, he was a bum that game. Yeah. He wasn't good by any means. No, um, he was a, but like before the bubble, Dana Green was really good for the Lakers. Oh yeah. Um, but also this is a situation where like Dennis Schroeder was really good last year. You know, yeah. you and I both said he should have been six man over Montrose Harrell. I both of us. by that. Yeah. Um, and so, now he's going to go to a team where he's going to be with like LeBron and Anthony Davis. I know he's a free agent, but they've already said they're planning to put offer like three or four different offers just to see like which one will be most comfortable with him staying with the Lakers. So I don't expect he's going to be negotiating with anyone else. Um, Schroeder last year shot 39% from three, had a career high in uh, free throw percentage and shot his best from the floor while also being having his second highest uh, offensive, offensive production uh, protect percentages. So, when you look at how he fits with this Lakers team, now remember, you and I did not like him at all when he was playing for the Hawks. We were ready for him to not be in the NBA. And <laughs> we were. Now he is like totally redeemed himself. How do you? How do? What do you expect to see from him in this as a Laker, especially being that kind of additional ball handle they've been looking for? Dennis Schroeder is not one of those guys who shines as the guy. We saw right. that, and when the Hawks were. Um, finally ready when, when he was shining so much in a six man role for the Hawks, the Hawks were like, you know what? We can get rid of Jeff Teague. We can get rid of him. We'll promote this guy. It'll be, it'll be great. And then we'll find another person to back up him. Didn't work out very well. Um, we get out to Oklahoma city eventually, uh, backing up the man, Chris Paul. 
And, uh, you know, uh, like you said, he's had, he's had great success in this role. Now, do you, do you give Chris Paul a little bit of credit for maybe kind of, sure. Absolutely. Kind of, kind of helping him out a little bit. I think, I think, uh, having a, one of the greatest point guards of all time being kind of your starter is a, is a big thing. Jeff Teague was not that. No. Jeff Teague's a one, one, one time all-star, I believe. Um, but, um, he's one of those guys who knows his role. Um, and, uh, it sounds like Rondo is probably going to move on, uh, from this Lakers team. What more does he have to prove, you know, take your shirt off, smoke a cigar with a trophy, you know, get your kid drink out of the, sh- of the fake champagne bottle. Have your kid drink out. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you got, you got your second title. It's fine. I don't, yeah. I think anything Rondo does outside of, of this year, he can do it every once now he's got two titles, one with the Lakers, one with the Celtics. That's, it's pretty, pretty cool. incredible. So Schroeder's going to come on here. Schroeder's going to be ready to work. Um, I think he's an excellent fit for this team. Agreed. Um, he's he's going to know his role. I think, um, um, especially playing with, and he's never really played with an absolute, you know, all time great besides Chris Paul. That's it. Um, and and he's going to play with LeBron and um, Anthony Davis this year, this next year. And I I fully believe he might not put up the same production that he did this year. Um, this may have been a fluke, but uh, I, I expect him to kind of continue in the same trajectory this year and, and, and um, you know, probably have another great year. I think he's a great fit for this team. And yeah, like you said, the 28th pick uh, for an already proven, like decent point guard right now, it's, it's a steal for the Lakers. Yeah, agreed. And I think um, this kind of also ends the discussion of DeMar DeRozan going to the Lakers, which is thank great. god thank yeah. god yeah that it's something... not that i yeah it's not that i dislike the if... rosen but oh come on yeah it is <laughs> no, no really like <laughs> you're I like just... well maybe i don't like him that much <laughs> it's just like completely overspending for a guy to play the role they're gonna have dennis schroeder play just seemed dumb to me i i agree Spending i agree 27 million on a guy I... who's gonna do what schroeder's gonna do i would have hated demar DeRozan on the lakers i don't think anyone would have liked him there no too much uh, money uh wasted on it i mean he's he's a fine player yeah he's a really good basketball player, actually he's a he's he's a fine basketball player he's fine yeah. he's not a game changer though i don't think he's a game changer no i mean he's got a couple all-star game appearances you know he's yeah. played a couple eastern conference finals like he has he he's has good. he's really he has. good he's done but, his but his, his best days might be behind him yeah but salary wise I, you know this obviously made a ton of sense for the lakers um there's talks now that they're going to try to bring in wesley matthews and serge Ibaka to kind of go with uh, LeBron and AD and Schroeder. And like, that is a really good basketball. I, 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 I really like the idea of bringing Ibaka onto the Lakers. <laughs> I a really good team. Like that's, that's especially someone who can kind of loosen the load a little bit on, on AD and yeah. uh, also spread the floor. He's, he's a, he's a decent shooter now too. Like I, I really, really like that. Yeah. Like, you know, he probably won't play in the playoffs, but <laughs> which is fine because I mean, you saw it this year, like, the, the run the Lakers went through, there was stretches where like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee did not play the Rocket series. That's fine. And but in the Nuggets series they did because they want to put bodies on Jokic. And I feel saw, like, like Serge Ibaka has a better chance at actually playing um, in a in a playoff situation though than Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. Yeah, I I think that's fair, but I also think I think there's a strong possibility Dwight comes back. Um, oh, Dwight, he should. Yeah. I don't know about JaVale McGee per like per se. I don't, I'm not necessarily hundred percent certain on the contract situation with him. Um, but this is a team that's kind of wanted to like run it right back. Like, you know, we talked about, obviously they're going to have 70 days off um, for the guys coming back to the team. So 
um, bringing in these fresher bodies like these Wesley Matthews, like they're talking about Dennis Schroeder, who was out in the first round, Wesley Matthews, who was out in the second round, um, you know, Serge Ibaka, who yeah played in the Eastern Conference Finals. No, they were out in the semis. Sorry, so they were out in round two. So these fresher bodies, these guys who can kind of sign the one or two year contracts, I expect Contavious Caldwell Pope will be back with the Lakers. Um, so yeah, I think that that you know, it's a really good trade. Um, it's a really good move for them. I think Schroeder's going to be huge as far as that additional ball handler and someone who like, you know, can work off LeBron and kind of work off the ball a little more. Something he really yeah. got to do a lot this year with Oklahoma city. Um, but yeah, I think let's talk about Phoenix real quick before we get into OK, the OKC end. Obviously the trade I've been talking about for weeks um, happened and you and I were elated to hear that it was going down when Shams tweeted that, there is active trade talks between the Thunder and the Suns for the Suns to acquire Chris Paul. And then four minutes later, Chris Paul is playing for the Phoenix Suns for um, Ty Jerome, a 2022 first rounder. So the Suns get to keep their first rounder this year. That's really nice. Um, Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio. Yeah. So this move for them, it kind of gives them a nice three, a nice trio, obviously Booker and Aiden, you add Chris Paul to that it's going to be huge. And Aiton's going to learn a lot about being responsible about responsibility on the court in this role because he's Agreed. not going to have a choice. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so, he's going to finally have to live up to all that potential that he, uh, he's supposed to have. Um, yeah. Hopefully he doesn't get kicked out of the league for any drug problems or anything. God, he was so good when he yeah. got back from the suspension. He, he and you know, so good. And this is, this is, this is the thinking of the Phoenix Suns at this point. So Chris Paul is going to be what 36, 37 this next year. Mm-hmm um kind of in the the later part of his career he's owed quite a bit of cash yeah um phoenix uh, wasn't going anywhere with ricky rubio wasn't going anywhere kelly Oubre, okay he's a fine player but he's he's a fine player he's a fine player but um i think this was a a good move um in the right direction i think chris paul um while sometimes I feel like his health is very questionable, especially for some reason in the playoffs. And we talk about, I talk about this every year we do this pod. Yeah. Um, Cause you just never know, but um, he's worth taking a flyer on right now. Uh, oh, they have, sure. they have the cap space. I would rather have Chris Paul um, than those draft picks, than Kelly Oubre, than Ricky freaking Rubio, you know? So who I thought always thought, I always kind of felt, thought was kind of a weird fit on Phoenix yeah, he I, was. I, like just always kind of a weird fit. And Utah. Um, and yeah, yeah, like I, you know, I, I don't know. Ricky Rubio was one of those. I think he was more one of those mythical basketball players that we heard about until he got to the U.S. and it was kind of a different situation. He never really quite lived up to the hype right. over the years, um, but he had some injury problems and stuff, and that's fine. But um, you know, looking forward, Devin Booker is a complete stud he yes. he is a machine um those eight games in the bubble just they were phenomenal so fun just such a phenomenal player i mean they worked their ass off and and it didn't get him anywhere it's amazing but um ayton obviously is another great one i don't i don't think we talk enough about how good ayton can be yeah like he can be a really 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 good basketball player and he just needs to lock in and I'm hoping someone like Chris Paul can unleash what he can become, you know, um, you know, even if we get, you know, how many games are they going to play this year, Tim? 72. 72. Even if we got say 55 games 
out of out of Chris Paul this year, it's still better than having Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre on this team. So um, this was a good move. I think uh, I, I feel like he's worth taking a flyer on even this late in his career. Um, still very productive, had a hell of a season this year uh, in OKC and kind of tried to get that team kind of going off to the right track, I guess. But like now he's gone and that's a that's a weird team now. Yeah, so I think this, you know, like you got to think now the Pacific Division minus the Kings, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, and the Suns. Like that's pretty awesome. That's a lot of fun. Oh um, yeah. I yeah. don't know how many how many games those teams will play against each other with the scheduling because I don't know the season starts in five weeks and we still don't know what the schedule is. That's right. That's right? great. That's it's, great. This is fine. Yeah. This is yeah. fine. So I understand if we we even have a season, who knows? Yeah. Right. I think like 10 teams are going to be having fans and games this year. So, you know, sure. Just read, just read that. Yeah. That's disappointing, but I get it. I get it. Yeah. We definitely know why the Lakers don't are going to have fans, but the Warriors are. So I'm like, what restrictions do Los Angeles and San Francisco have? California is completely locked down right now. So I have no idea how that's even going to happen. That's that's the story is when you have a gender reveal party, don't do fireworks. That's that's the moral. That's the moral. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but I think the Suns team. Not to mention, they got to keep Mikael Bridges in this trade. Like that's. Yeah, they did. They did get to keep awesome. him. That's 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 a that's a nice little uh nice little add on you got there. Yeah, that. even so, though we make fun of their new city jerseys, and yeah. the person they had advertised it for their photo shoot was Kelly Oubre. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, but um, this is like the best situation possible for the Suns. I think this elevates them really well. Um, I think this is a situation where like Chris Paul, like you said, he brings so much out of guys. This is something where I wouldn't be surprised if Devin Booker leads the league in scoring next season, because he's going to have Chris Paul to facilitate for him. Um, Just, you know, everything he does, he's such a good player. Like I don't like he's hated a lot and I get it because he's kind of frustrating. And um, he's a, one, he's a guy that like finds like the ins and outs and makes them work, i.e. winning a game this year because Carl Anthony Towns had an untucked jersey was pretty boss. Yep. Pretty boss. Yep. Like I, I dig it. Um, so I love the fit. I think they're a really good playoff team. I think they're a team that like if you're the three, like if you're the three and the Suns are a six, that's a tough matchup, man. If you're I like agree. the Clippers and you're going against the Suns, like that is a tough, tough, tough matchup. So it's a fun series, though. It's a very fun series. I agree. And I will you hope know. the Suns win in three. But, you know. <laughs> Your Clippers hate is real. It's very real. It's very real. <laughs> Here we go. Lifetime Lakers fan, Tim Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> 2000 through 2008 and 2016 through 2021. He took a song. couple years off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but. I mean, I hated the Clippers when we were like kids. So let's be fair; they were like they suck. No one cares about them. Yeah, it's so. like it's like we weren't touting around Pooh Richardson jerseys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get my World Be Free jersey. I'm sorry. No, you didn't. You Actually, didn't. That would be kind of cool. But um, on the OKC side, it obviously looks like here's what I like about what they're doing. Obviously, besides stacking up draft picks, they're basically saying Shea Gilgeous Alexander is their franchise player, and he should be because he's absolutely, terrific. absolutely he's awesome. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of his and I, you know, I really like his game. He's on my, like, if I did like power rank jerseys of current players, I'd like to own, he's probably in the top four. Um, okay. Yeah. That's an episode we could do sometime. That'd be fun. But 
you know, it seems like right now the game plan is kind of put your roster to build around him. They have two first rounders now um, this year. They've got three, I think, next year. Be, one might be a pick swap. And I think in like four years, the lottery is just going to be all Thunder picks. Yeah, pretty much. So, Thunder and Pelicans is just going to be like one, two, three, four. But I think that, you know, the rebuild's time. Billy Donovan left. Um, I think they're still going to be moving more players. I don't think Steven Adams is going to play for the Thunder this year. So I think he'll be gone. Um, I think you're going to really see like a lot of Darius Baisley this year playing. And he had some nice strides there in the bubble. And obviously he's a Cincinnati kid. So I'm always going to pull for him. Uh, So there's going to be a lot of young talent for the Thunder. It seems like unlike other teams in the central division who don't know how to do rebuilds, um, they seem to have the right idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so Shea Gildas Alexander is going to be the, the franchise piece of the, of the thunder now. And Mm -hmm. the one question I have for you in that, does he become a good stats, bad team guy? I don't think so because he's been good stats, good team guy on two different franchises that have been the playoffs. I don't know, man, if he gets some some he's gonna get a lot of minutes this year i don't know man we might we might fall a little too in love with him that's fine i mean you're like you're like yeah sean i want (laughs) his jersey he's in my top four (laughs) i shouldn't even ask you that you're already biased (laughs) (laughs) but it's very possible um i just don't think that'd be the case i think like his competitive nature and the fact that he wants to win and he's gonna really kind of be like really hard nose into the wall and make things happen with the team. It's pretty cool. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm excited to see what he brings to the table for this team. I think that um, the fact that him and Kelly Uber are going to be on the same team, it's a big win for converse because they're two of like the four athletes converse has signed their exclusive shoe deals. Two of the four. Yeah. The other is Draymond green. And I can't remember who the other one is, but their new basketball shoes actually aren't that bad looking. Look them up sometime. I have not seen the new converse, but I'm always interested in that shoe as yeah. someone who once owned the Converse Tennis Rodmans. I forgot that you had those. I did. Um, so, yeah, man, I just – I think it's a good idea for them to go on and just kind of move forward. And then that brings us to James Harden. And Here it is. Here it is. God. Okay. So, reports are coming out from a lot of people that James Harden has told the Houston Rockets he would like to move on. And that's fine. They're trying to trade Russell Westbrook. They in no need have to. And that's another thing we got to talk about. I don't think we talked about that either. Not yet. Um, James Silas is the new head coach there. Um, Obviously, he's been around basketball a long time with the fact his dad is Paul Silas. So being a head coach is not – might be a new role. The NBA is not new to James Silas by any means. And – Harden has basically said that he wants to move on. He's basically, apparently Woj just tweeted that he turned down an extension with the Rockets. He has been very open about wanting to join the Brooklyn Nets. And Sean, you and I saw this and we thought the Brooklyn Nets, and then we laughed very hard because you know Kyrie Irving is like, nope, nope, don't want it. But Kevin Durant might. He might. Now Kevin is this gonna be a, is this going to be a circumstance where they trade? Kyrie Irving for James Harden. <laughs> no, but man, um, wouldn't it be funny if it was? It God, if they really wanted to to fuck Kyrie Irving, 
we're going to trade you down there. And what they would do just to make it even worse, they wouldn't trade Russell Westbrook. We just want to see you guys rot together (laughs) and NBA purgatory down here in Houston. That would be like, that would be the greatest thing ever, actually. (laughs) Now, now I want that to happen. Yeah. I saw people already like, well, the Nets are definitely going to win the title. I'm like, with what like you know defense is the other half of basketball well (laughs) well apparently um apparently the the betting odds now um if if they obtain harden uh they would be uh they would have the uh the fourth best shot right now at winning the title (laughs) i'm i'm not even making that up man i'm not even making that up uh it's kind of crazy uh i agree with you 100 percent that this is a bad idea for them because Kyrie Irving we both talk I'm not a Kyrie fan at all like yes, I I've I'm been very open about that I've been very open about that for a long I think he's a very great basketball player but some of the stuff that he said uh, some of the things he's you know done over the years I'm I'm just not a fan of he's um I he's a strange bird he is a strange bird and that's fine yeah um but the the idea of not one, not two, but three guys who can't do anything without the ball. <laughs> All starting together on the same team in Brooklyn just seems like a bad idea. It almost feels Pierce Gardet, Jason Terry, Joe Johnson. Have we seen this before? We have seen this before, actually yeah, okay. in Brooklyn. So yes, <laughs> yes, yes. We've we've seen this oh, same sort a, of. They had a point guard who was like really good. That was their head coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've seen yeah, this before. We've we've seen this before. <laughs> so now, here's the interesting take on this. So I'm not sure that the Houston Rockets are going to reward assistant coach. Mike D'Antoni with the stud player that he had last year, a guy that he knows. Um, I don't see that happening. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. The other talk of the town right now, because the other place that he is in a, is a preferred destination is Philly. And they just have they just they now Daryl Morey is is in charge of that team. So you have two teams vying for James Harden's services, and he's saying he wants to go to one of these two teams with people from the organization from the year before that have nothing to do with the Rockets. Yeah. Why would the Rockets do this? Um so they don't have to. I think they don't have to. They yeah. don't have to. But let me tell you something. Any team that in the history of the NBA where there has been a star player that has asked out, it gets messy. It gets mm-hmm. awkward. Anthony Davis. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. Um, situations like this arise and it never ends well. And I feel like we're at a point where we've seen this so many times over the last couple of years. I think it's in their best interest just to go ahead and blow the whole thing up now. Oh, I agree. Completely. And just get it done. Don't enter the season with this. Don't do a Jimmy Butler situation where you're, you're forcing the player to come out, talk badly about things and make it weird. 
um you Lincoln know Nichols was just so happened to be in minnesota that day practice. just so happened yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I, I there's those are the two teams that we're talking about brooklyn it'd be interesting i'm gonna say that yeah it would be they, a mess they would be they would be must watch must see basketball um especially with steve nash as a coach um I would be interested to see like what he would do in a situation like that. Yeah. But having Kyrie buy into that. I don't see it. Yeah. I'm I don't see it. Cause that's not what Kyrie Irving signed up for. Right. Kyrie Irving signed up to be the man alongside Kevin Durant. You throw James Harden, who's probably a top five player right now um, onto that team along with that. I, Kyrie's not going to get a fair shake on this team. Yeah. You have Kyrie Irving, who's the ultimate like speed ball, like move the ball really quick guy. Kevin Durant, who's the ultimate, like I can move around and score from anywhere. And then James Harden, the ball stopper. It's like the ball stopper. Exactly. The ball yeah, stopper. Like, I just don't know of how that's going to work. Like, I don't think that Kyrie and Kevin Durant are going to love the idea of James Harden dribbling around for 14 seconds. And there's 10 seconds on the shot clock and he just throws something up. Like, I will say this, it's going to be a very fast basketball system. With Nash and and D'Antoni there, I think uh, it's going to be a very interesting team. Um, but it could be, and probably would be, a complete disaster. Yeah. So who are the three ahead of them? The Lakers, the Clippers, and was it the Bucks? Were the betting odds? I believe so. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So those are the the betting odds are are, but they would they would be fourth if if they obtained him. Um, so we talked about Brooklyn. Now Philly really fascinates me as a destination for James Harden. And it's getting me a little excited. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Now, like my favorite player right now is Ben Simmons. And I, and I love him playing in Philly. He's brought just, he's, he's, I love Ben. He's just such a unique talent, mm-hmm. but things haven't worked out very well over the last couple of years. So nope. two, two seasons ago, it looked like they were the up and coming new Orlando magic of the nineties. And now, not so much. Not so much. Um, tried to obtain James Harden. I mean, this is going to probably be a straight Ben Simmons for James Harden sort of swap with probably some picks thrown in. I would imagine maybe a few other extra players. How do you feel about the possibility of him? This feels a little bit more interesting and a little less crazy. Him going to Philly and maybe, you know, hooking up with Joel Embiid and uh, Tobias Harris. What, what do you now Horford and now Hor- well yeah all right we have to bring an owl you had to bring that up <laughs> you got so many big men uh how do you feel about him possibly going up there what's your take I think it'd be fun um I don't you know I don't know if it'd be good great but I think it could sure. be enjoyable um I think that him and MB could probably play pretty well together I think it could be a fun pick and roll because Harden's always ran like Who's the best center Harden's played with in his career? Like Serge Ibaka and OKC? Oh, uh, no, he had Dwight. He had Dwight. He had Dwight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he had, the okay. du- he had Dwight. Take that backs. was the big thing. Yeah. yeah Dwight I wouldn't say that was the, the – yeah, I don't know if that was the best the best center he's ever played. But I guess that is, you know? Yeah. So, so – go ahead. MB would certainly – it would be the first time he's had a center that could stretch the floor for him. Um, that could be a nice – that could be interesting and intriguing for him. But mm-hmm. I think that – yeah, like you said, like – Philly would be a lot of, I think Philly is a lot more fun to me than Brooklyn is just because I think Brooklyn is going to be um, not to be the, there's only one basketball guy, but the speed that Harden <laughs> plays and the speed Kyrie play at are totally different. Um, 
I will say, I was at the mall the other day and I saw, I was at this Jersey jersey store and they had the Kevin Durant, like Drowson Petrovich throwback jersey up. Looks pretty cool in person. Ooh, they yeah, already have that fan. in stores? Yeah, big fan. Very, very nice, very nice. Um, But I think that Philly would be a lot more fun. I think that uh, in a situation here where James Harden really likes to be the guy, he likes to be very ball dominant. In Brooklyn, a lot of that would have to go away. I don't know, like, I don't see that being like Golden State, where it's like this unselfishness, where the open man was the one that got the best shot. That's no. not going to be the case in Brooklyn, where Philly no. it could be. Um, he could be kind of the lead guy. He can be the head facilitator. And it's kind of like what Westbrook said about, like, Westbrook said, like, he wants to go somewhere where he can be the guy again, where he can be, like, the guy with the ball in his hands all the time. And Well, he's he's going to be in Charlotte on an <laughs> island by himself. You know, be careful what you, you wish for, buddy. Yeah, like, did you know Michael Jordan was like, you want to come here? He's like, he's Sorry. like, I know you uh, signed with our shoe deal and everything already. So yeah. this would be a perfect fit for you, correct? <laughs> you know, like here's PJ Washington. You're like, no. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't like that either. It sounds like both of them are probably going to get traded. Yeah, I imagine. And um, we're right back for the Houston Rockets to the pre Yao Ming days. Are there some other teams that maybe that would be outside of those two? teams that he's requested to to go to is there any some are there any other teams now i know there's a lot of talk you know i know like all the all the boston celtics fans on the internet are like <laughs> they're dumb they want to trade kemba walker for him we'll like, give you no. we'll give you everything for for james harden i i you know what i i disagree i would i would go ahead and take a fl- I would take I would trade Kimball Walker for James Harden right well, now. Well, yeah, obviously. But like the, the whole like they're like, yeah, why don't we upgrade our point guard position by trading Kimball Walker for Russell Westbrook? Again? Sure, sure. No, okay. no, no, that, no, that's bad. That's bad. No, I don't I don't I don't want Russell Westbrook anywhere near that team. No, anywhere I near hate that team. The Celtics and I don't want Russell yeah, Westbrook on that team. Yeah, not a not a good look for them at all. But you know, a lot of people are throwing stuff out for for Harden. Um, and yeah. and and I'm just like, you know, I don't know if Harden wants to play in Boston, but I could see them. They haven't really had like a really shrewd move in in two seasons. So I could see them doing something a little off the wall like that and, you know, throwing could, everything at them. I could a hundred percent see the Knicks being like, what about Julius Randall, RJ Barrett, our next four first round picks and just ruining their franchise again. We like, have, could... we have, we have five power forwards that we can give you <laughs> and we will give you all of our second round picks until the end of time. <laughs> So, would you like Reggie Bullock? No. What about <laughs> no. RJ Barrett and Reggie Bullock? No. Remember, remember last year, Tim, when they were going to get Kevin Durant, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Irving, and Zion. Zion. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up being Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, and RJ Barrett. <laughs> God, I'd hate to be a fan of that team. <laughs> I mean, at least the at least the Cincinnati Bengals have Joe Burrow, Burrow so it's like it's like <laughs> at least that. they have. There's something we, we we're gonna yeah. watch him die one day on the field, but <laughs> yeah. you know it's fine. It's fine. They have something. Yesterday. No, yeah. Well, so so with that being said, are there any other teams that you could see James Harden or Russell Westbrook? I know we kind of hinted Russell Westbrook. The, the talk is is definitely Charlotte or maybe the Orlando Magic, like a weird team where he could be the man again. Someone said um, Chicago, and I was like, please, "Oh, oh, I, I've I've ignored any time that's been that's even been brought up. It's just especially not with even... the fact that like there's a lot of Jack Zach Levine trade talk right now. I'm like, just just no, just no. 
Yeah, I don't I don't want to trade Zach Levine for for Russell Westbrook. No, it's like that's it's not going to work. Kobe White just sit in the corner like every possession like Hey, I'm open. Oh, ne- <laughs> never mind. Oh, you're just going to drive to the basket. Oh, you got now fouled. You'll dish it. Okay, now you'll yep. dish it. With now you'll dish guys it. On you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Westbrook's like, I want to have seven triple double seasons, and I don't care how <laughs> inefficient I have to be to get it. I exactly. Will do it. It's just about the triple doubles, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Was like, if I'm Charlotte, I wouldn't do it. Um, only because I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't like, either. They have a lot of really good players. They don't necessarily have the guy, but like I like PJ Washington a lot. I like Devontae Graham. I like Miles Bridges. Um, Devontae Graham and PJ Washington are good, and you're gonna set the. Remember, you're they gonna had set the pick that was Shea Gilgis Alexander and traded it on draft night. Correct. Correct. Um, they are. They are at a point where if if they obtain someone like Russell Westbrook it's completely evident that you are putting Russell Westbrook on your team to sell tickets Mm -hmm. and to seem like we're kind of relevant. And, um, you know, there's a lot of teams that have done those kind of moves over the years, you know, um, and it's, it's never, it's never a good thing. Um, like the bulls signing Dwayne Wade. Perfect example. That one didn't even come to mind, but the perfect example Let's go ahead and, and, and sign a, a past his prime Dwayne Wade. Um, so, and and that season sucked. Yeah, they made the that, playoffs, but it sucked. It, it sucked. wasn't fun to watch. It sucked. So, so why even go through that? Just continue to invest time in your young team. Develop those guys. You got a few good players, like you said. Do that. Don't waste your time on Russell Westbrook. Let him wallow in his sadness literally anywhere else yeah you know the the clippers apparently are interested just send them there just send them go ahead go ahead who are you gonna trade out there you gonna you gonna trade pg 13 for him (laughs) is that who you're gonna trade for that gigantic contract i think that's the only way that would work right apparently the discussion is that they're gonna try to put him with them so it's like all they'll have is those three guys they're gonna play three on five every night who are they gonna gonna send there (laughs) harold uh, he's gonna be a re- he's gonna be a UFA. Okay. S- send Lou Williams back to Houston. What does that do? <laughs> Nothing. What does that do? I mean, Houston was so close. They were so close, so close. If Chris Paul does not get hurt up. in Game Five. Oh, I don't want to hear that anymore. <laughs> I don't want to hear anymore that Houston it fan changed nonsense. The franchise. It did change the franchise. It but did. yeah, I agree. Like this whole like LeBron routed out Daniel House and like. I like Alex that. Though. Caruso kicks my ass, and um, I would, way, I would the, trade Westbrook for Giannis. For Giannis, <laughs> who are these psychopaths living down in Houston? We got any Houston fans on the show? Uh, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, like, what's going through your minds? Is there something in the water down there where you're you've all gone crazy? Like, yes. Uh, like it's like a running theme. Yeah. And as Bulls fans were saying this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we're realists. So, let's go ahead and talk about that real quick before we get out of here. Um, obviously, now there's a lot of discussions coming about Zach Levine. Um, you've kind of been predicting this for a little while where I thought it was a possibility they might hold on to Levine to kind of play with Billy Donovan and really kind of see, like, his scoring ability in that offense, which is, like, elevated a ton of guys to score. Um 
And what the discussion is necessarily that the Bulls are not shopping him, but he could be available via the right trade. And to quote the great Ted DiBiase, obviously everybody has a price, but um, in this Zach Levine circumstance, the thing about it is like, I just, you know, we've obviously, we've said forever, like he's a great scorer. He's a very electric player. Um, obviously he's a fun dunker and fun. He can shoot threes, but he's obviously a guy you can't build your franchise around. He's not your number one option. So where in the world could you send Zach Levine? Because the Lakers have obviously opted for Dennis Schroeder. Correct. Good. Good. Um, he does not fit with Kawhi and Paul George at all. I don't necessarily know if like you can send him to Miami with Jimmy Butler. I don't think that fits, especially with how good those young guys are. Um, if Russell Westbrook goes to the Knicks, are the Knicks going to call the Bulls for Zach Levine? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. I just thought about that. Well, there's there's only a couple options, really, for Zach Levine. And uh, one of them includes a uh, a Bradley Beal trade demand. <laughs> <laughs> Like that would have to be that would have to be a thing. Like I feel like he's one of those guys. If like, like, if you're the Wizards and you had to get rid of Bradley Beal and you had to get another scorer back, I would probably go for that and maybe a draft pick. Um, but he's what, twenty seven? Yeah. This point, um, the other th- the other team that I'm 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 hearing being floated around and I'm I'm not thrilled about it and I don't like it is Dallas. I've heard that too. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's a good fit there. I think he's going to get a little bit lost um, on everything. I Zach Levine is the quintessential good stats, bad team guy. Yeah. You said Shaquille Alexander, like Zach Levine is the example. He is the example. I don't want to see Shaquille <laughs> Alexander fall down that, that, that path at this point, that hole. Um, is that something the Bulls can do? Can we like trade Zach Levine to get Shea Gilles Alexander? Because I would do I, that in an hour. I, I I would be on the phones right now if I, I was. I would go drive to I Chicago, was, uh, pick up Zach Levine, and drive him to Oklahoma. <laughs> Speeding on the way. Um, I could see Zach Levine. There's a bunch of different places that Zach Levine could go, but um, if I'm Chicago, it's a lot of money for Zach Levine for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. He's not going to play defense ever. You guys are going to screw up when you draft any Obdia. Let's just go ahead and call it. Yeah. Oh, that's going to work. It's going to be the, it's going to be the, the team of average international players. <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen. And Kobe I'm, White. And, and Kobe White, who's going to be fun. Um, but when you look at some of these teams, like pl- places that like Zach Levine could go, where you could get somebody in return, um, depends who you're looking Sacramento. to. <clears throat> so, Buddy Heald for Zach Levine. <clears throat> what does that do for either team? Nothing, but you know, I they should have let him sign for the Kings when they put the match the, ma- the sheet out. Yeah, I, I, I don't like him. I don't like Zach Levine anywhere right now. <laughs> I, don't I don't like. I don't like him anywhere. Like he's just one of those guys. He was one of those up and coming guys with the Timberwolves, and I kind of liked his role there. When yeah, he got to him. Chicago, he had to become the guy, but he's not the guy. He never was the guy. You talk about like where he could go. It's Orlando. It's <laughs> that, that's where everybody's saying someone should go. It's like who are we trading him for? Vooch? No, but probably like a Jonathan Isaac, like Aaron Gordon. Kind of sign deal. me up. Sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. 
I will drive him down there tonight for, for Aaron Gordon, just for, just to say, who cares? Who cares? We're, we're not taking this seriously. We're not taking this seriously. You can, you can go there, trade the dunk champions. What's it matter? What's it matter? No one will probably notice. <laughs> no one will even notice. <laughs> they're the same kind of, same kind of thing. Like, Oh, you know, they're, they're, they're so frustrated. They're both absolutely frustrating basketball players. It's like, <laughs> it's like we're high flyers. Sure. You make threes, you know, Aaron Gordon can occasionally play defense and be really good at it when he feels like he should be. Zach Levine is like, you know what? I'm going to hit this game winner right now. I'm going to do it. It's not going to count for anything, but they're going to show it on every ESPN show for the hour. And I just want to be on there tonight, you know? So it's like, that's what you're getting. That's what you're getting with those two players. So if you wanted to, you wanted to do a little swap with those two guys, no one would notice. I saw apparently Sixers fans are like, we should get Zach Levine. I'm like, what is he going to do there? Like, what Dude, I swear to God, if, if, if the Bulls trade Zach Levine and they get Tobias Harris back, I'm. <laughs> it's got to be at least like Matisse Tybal for me to be happy. I just, you know, I, I could see him going someplace like the Jazz, you know, yeah. I could, yeah, I could, I, right. I'd, sh- I'd ship him out to the Jazz to sit there with, with Donovan Mitchell, you know, and we could throw him at the three, you know, or do two guards. I mean, uh, so do the Bulls would probably get like Rudy Gobert in that trade. And I'd be like, damn it. They're not fun. Yeah, they would be, they'd be a little bit slower. So there's not really a good trade partner for Zach Levine. He doesn't fit on anyone's, he doesn't make any team better. No. So that's why I say if on the Knicks, I get Russell Westbrook and I call the Bulls and say, can we have Zach Levine? And Tibbs can just run him to the ground. (laughs) Party party time's over, Zach. RJ Barrett in a trade for Zach Levine. I'm stoked. I'm happy. That person. would that would literally never happen. I know. But man, if it did, yeah, I'm cool with it. If it did, that would be the most Knicks move ever. Yes, it would. Ultimate Knicks tape for sure. I didn't even think about Bradley Beal. That's so funny. All right, man. So we, obviously, it's a crazy week coming up. Um, we did a we did a draft. We talked these trades. Um, it came out while we were recording that apparently James Harden turned on the extension and told the Rockets, get me to Brooklyn. So whatever, I guess it's going to happen. Get me to Brooklyn. Yeah. This, that's going to be, can we put them on the cover of Sports Illustrated with their head coach and say like, it's a new era of basketball. I feel like we haven't, I feel like we've done this before. It's like, you know, is Derek Coleman going to show up? Here's the thing. If James Harden goes on to that team, Kyrie buys in, and they make it happen, we could look really stupid a year from now. But I'm willing to bet (laughs) a lot that that is not going to happen. However, I will say this. They will be must-watch television. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The number um, one league pass team. um, So we'll see. But um, I – Yeah, I'm with you. Saddle up, guys. It's going to be quite the week. Yes, it is. So, like we said, uh, we have the draft on Wednesday. We will do a draft recap on Thursday on Shot Callers to go up Friday morning with our off-season preview because, like Sean said, it's already been a week. We didn't even talk about the fact that Bruce Brown got traded to the Nets and, like, how big a pick that is for them. For, like, Musa, who is, you know, a 2K upgrade player that you can evolve. Like, that's all people are going to know Dazan Musa for. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. It's just – it's that week. 
it's an off-season pack compact into five weeks. We normally have two months. So, yeah. Um, and I'm going on vacation. So, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot going on. <laughs> so, thank you all for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed this super long episode of the shows and have a good night.